Everybody hear me? We have voices. We can hear you. Yay! (laughs) The magic of technology. (laughs) All right, now that that's all cleared up, good show, guys. Let's go. (laughs) Have a good night. All right, peace out. (laughs) This is going to be a fast editing session. Welcome to Preferred Enemies, the Warhammer 40k podcast that arrives on Golden Light. I'm your host, Rob. Kevin. Dennis. And Richard. And yes, if you hadn't guessed, today we're going to be talking about uh, one of the two codexes that was released this past weekend, uh, Codex Adeptus Custodes, or which should be more accurately Codex Talons of the Emperor, because it's way more than the Custodes in here. But before we get to that, as always, news and new releases and your listener mail. And we're going to start with news and new releases, and we're going to focus... We're going to go in alphabetical order, just because I feel like it. We're going to talk Eldari, because over the last couple of weeks, there's been a number of things uh, announced on Warhammer Community as far as new plastic kits for Eldari, uh, since the Eldar are getting uh, revamps of some old kits, some of which have never been in plastic before. So, uh, first off, they did finally do the full reveal on the new Autark. So, they did confirm what pieces are in there. So, the torso, there's both a male and female torso on it, on the kit. And there's the back, the normal backpack and, as I had guessed, a warp spider jump generator, which is very cool. Um, then also a Starglaive, Chainsword, Shuriken Pistol, Reaper Launcher, a Fire Dragon Fusion Gun, or a Death Spinner. And that it also does not include all the other options that are on the other Autark kit, which is supposed to be fully compatible. Which makes me wonder, like the arms are kind of in the same position, or at least where, like where they're positioned relative like, to the shoulders and torso. So, theoretically, you should be able to make the existing Autark kit female with these parts, uh, change out the weapons. Uh, have swooping hawk wings. <laughs> yeah, having swooping yeah. hawk wings, or put the, uh, if you want to do the uh, Manda Blaster helmet on this Autark instead of the Banshee helmet, uh, you can do that. So, I think that short of the Shining Spear possibility of like a Star Lance, I think that covers. All the Autark options, more or you less. Have to, you have to be on a jet bike to have the Star Lance. Right, and we still don't have a plastic Autark on bike. That one's still <sighs> resin. It might be coming. Mm. I mean, when you've got the Rangers on bikes, so maybe the, yeah, it'll I mean, be on the new line of bikes. I think there's plenty of like options to kit bash a plastic one if you want. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, you know, a- as we're about to... T- talk about there's a number of kits that are being redone so it's very possible we could see a plastic shining spear in which case theoretically Mm. it should be easy to kit bash those parts with this uh but speaking of other plastic things long time coming uh finally a new guardian squad set of plastics which i heard that and i'm like well i've got guardians but the fact that these come with the gear to make them storm guardians I'm interested now. 
Yeah, especially because you don't have to buy a, a set of fine cast add-ons to make them into Storm Guardians. There's a mix of helmeted and unhelmeted heads, male and female torsos and heads. And I will say they've done a good job of making the heads actually look elven. Like, they're very clearly, like, pointy ears and finer features. Yeah. And then, yes, they uh, they will include the plastic parts for Storm Guardians and... If you don't want to have a gun platform, they will have what they're calling a serpent scale platform that will deflect incoming fire. So you can have a defensive platform to travel along with your Storm Guardian so they don't get shot off the table right away. That actually sounds really cool, and I'll be looking forward to reading about it in the Codex. Mm-hmm. And, and like all the other new kits, they're ver- the poses are much more dynamic. The Guardians look are mostly in running poses. There's a couple in, in more tr- like classic standing poses, but I, the, the, the models are going to just look, they're going to pop on the, the battlefield a little bit more. They'll be more visually interesting. I'm curious how they're going to look size-wise against like the old Guardians. Like, Will they kind of mix and match, or are these going to be like a little bit larger just because of like the way they've kind of scaled up model making? Oh, you're right. The Banshees were a hair larger and also the bases were much bigger so if they do that to the guardians they'll be like oh no i have to rebase everything again Hmm, yeah i didn't think about that part but i i'm hoping they don't put guardians on 32 mils because i kind of like them being on 25 mils and like all the gene stealer cult stuff is still like hybrids are still on 25 mils and guardsmen are still on 25 mils like there's a lot of stuff that is still like 25 mil standard so i would hope the guardians seeing as eldar is supposed to be you know light they they would still be on 25 mils but it is with the dynamic posing it's kind of hard to say at this point i will hope so too but i'll agree with that last statement i think the dynamic posing makes them take up more space so to speak mm-hmm well, I think with the um, oh, it's not the Autark, but the the sergeant, the Exarch, or whatever, or whatever the heck their sergeants are called. He's kind of standing. Uh, guardians, in. guardians. I don't think really have sergeants. No. Once upon a time, their air quote sergeant was the warlock that went with every squad. No, oh, I guess it's just the storm. Okay, I guess it's just the storm guardians. I was looking at one where I, like he's holding a power sword and stuff, and he's basically got the kind of old standard like pose where it's just you know he's not running both feet are kind of you know stable pose and stuff like that assuming that they didn't scale them up any and those are 25 mil bases then yeah i think compared to the existing guardian kit like i think they'll be the same size but yeah i think if they if those bases are bigger if those are 32 mil bases then they've been scaled up a little bit because he's kind of standing in a in a pretty static pose and he's, you know, touching both ends of the base, which is what the older Guardians do yeah. as well. So, I don't know. I think there's... I could see it going either way. I could see them scaling them up and putting them on bigger bases. Um, or I could see them keeping them the same. I have a sinking feeling it's probably going to be scaled up. Because I think... It feels like every army has been doing that. They, they have been leaning into those larger bases a bit more. Mm-hmm. It does give them more room to kind of frame the models. And allows yeah. them to make the models a little bit larger, which allows them to, to hold a little bit more detail. So so it's definitely possible. I will say one of the most interesting uh, Photoshop jobs I saw was, like, the, the first 
set of like first pair of models that they feature on like the little rotating view of the the standard guardian builds where it's like somebody pointing with you know and wearing no helmet uh they point it like it's been pointed out that these these are this armor has um abs molded onto it you know in kind of a, a blood angel style fashion no nipples though just abs <laughs> although i think the female ones actually have belly buttons uh <laughs> yes there's the well, the one with the uh, gun platform she has a belly button modeled no no abs just a belly button the, <laughs> yeah but the photoshop I, job somebody had taken the the male one with the abs and had basically colored his entire armor skin tone except for the part around his uh his crotch that looks like a pair of like bikini bottoms so it looked like he was wearing a speedo on the beach. Although the Photoshop I saw that I liked was where they kind of painted it up to look like a Saiyan, and with made the the helmet like Vegeta hair, and it yeah, just I've like seen Vegeta. that one too. <laughs> so one thing that I will say that I think maybe might help with allay some of the fears about the twenty five mil, thirty two mil bases. If you look at the gun platform, it is on a bigger base than the than the actual guardians that are in the pictures. And there's several okay. pictures where it's showing that it's on a bigger base. That and I can't better. imagine that they would go make that go all the way up to 40 mil. So I, I think that's on the 32. And I think the guardians themselves there's, are still on the okay. 25. So, so I'm looking. I went to Lexicanum because they actually had an image of the old guardian. The mm. old guardian has his legs kind of sp- spread apart in that like wide stance view, right. yeah. and his feet are just going over the edge of the base. So there's Correct. another possibility: twenty-eight point five mils. You could be getting the base size that the uh, like Repentia are on. Yeah, that sounds like an odd size. I would still I can't it imagine is an odd size, that. but I can't imagine they do that for a baseline troop. I mean, maybe. Uh. But- I I'm not holding back any possibility because, but it absolutely could happen. Yeah, that would make me super sad because I. Uh. Yeah, because I'm lo- okay. So I'm looking at like a picture of the existing guardians, and yeah, a lot of them here. have their have their feet just going over the edge of the bases, right. and mm-hmm. you do not see that even with the wide stances on the new bases, like of the uh. new models. I don't know. I think on the wide stance, there's a couple of wide stance ones that are that look similar, that are like very so, close to. So it's going to be close. Base. So yeah, we'll yeah. see. I mean, I'd we'll like find out. Base, we'll find out I'll soon enough. Sad. I think. <laughs> yeah. It. So I'm hoping they're 25 mils for you know for you and other Eldari players who don't want to rebase all their guardians. Mm-hmm. But I would not be surprised if these are on 28s. I mean, I kind of want to watch the world burn, so I'm going to say 28 and a half. <laughs> well, thankfully, I don't have that many guardians. I only have thirty, so well, that's not that many. I know. <laughs> it's not like me having to rebase my orc boys from twenty-five. Yeah, to all two hundred of them. <laughs> <laughs> I still haven't done that, by the way. <laughs> that, that's Although one of those I, jobs you just look at and like, mm, nah, nah, <laughs> not not today. I, I did buy I did buy some rings to some expansion rings to, to try mm. out, but I haven't gotten to that yet. <laughs> I mean, that's definitely going to be an easier way to do it than to cut 200 boys off of bases and re-glue them. So yep. I did the, I, I did the rebasing thing with, um, uh, plague bearers 
because they got moved from 25s to 32s and I had to rebase like 40 of those. And that was, that was no fun. So 200 is way too many, way, way too many. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I understand your reticence on your, to, on starting, but anyway, moving on to the, uh, the third thing that was revealed and this was just revealed today. We're recording on uh, Monday, January 17th. And uh, we had, this didn't completely surprise us because they had revealed what looked like bits and pieces of an updated Mog and Raw in the video that they had showing like new models coming in 2022. And so confirmed Dark Reapers are getting a plastic revamp. Which is really nice. And I think they've done yeah. a good job of not really not redesigning them, just kind of tightening them up and putting them in plastic. Yeah, giving them an updated look and... It looks like also a new weapon option for the Exarch, I believe. Yeah, they've got the uh, they've got the Tempest missile launcher, a Shuriken cannon, the Reaper launcher. Uh, there and a trend something we saw with the Banshees. Uh, there's a unhelmeted option, or at least like a partially bareheaded option in this case, uh, for specifically for Inari armies. So apparently, Inari armies don't fight with helmets on. That's that apparently was th- their thing. That yeah, I saw that as kind of a theme they kind of had going forward to differentiate between Craftworld and Unari was Unari was not wearing helmets and Craftworld was. I do like the one guy who's wearing both the helmet and the hoodie. The hood looks sweet. <laughs> yeah, like that actually With does the little, look really like, cool. Ears on the side, <laughs> right? I was like, well, I don't know why you technically they're rangefinders. <laughs> I, I know they're the rangefinders, but I'm, now I'm just tickled by the idea of Dark Reaper Kigurumi. <laughs> like a Dark Reaper in a full animal snuggie or something, like an uh, animal onesie with a little hood with ears on it. That's I, I am so I am tainted. Whenever I hear hoodie, I think Belichick. <laughs> now I want someone to do like a full anime girl Eldar army, though. Like, that would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> well, that sounds like a job for you, Kevin. Nope. New, new year, new nope. army, right? You know, they, they make projects. like anime girl uh, uh, decals, you know, like for like car kits, like for, you know, like model car kits that I've seen people put on uh, like Tau Devilfish. Nothing saying you couldn't plaster those all over wave serpents. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, Kevin. Craft you world waifu. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I am, ouch. I draw the line at starting an Eldar army. Uh, craft world waifu. I, I mean, yeah. wow. Well, I will, I will, <laughs> look, I will skip ahead a little bit to like hobby project progress. I drove uh, back home this weekend with a car full of like 40K stuff that I had found in my house. So <laughs> I, I have more than enough. Was any of it Eldar, there. though? No, none of it was Eldar. But like I did find like I think I mentioned this before, like. A half good half a Necron army that I just had forgotten about. So no, I've, I've to got go with a bad half you have somewhere. Plenty of <laughs> uh, plenty of stuff to work on outside of this project. I want someone else to do that idea. We'll put it that way. <laughs> uh, so you're putting a call out to the listeners. <laughs> yeah, if somebody if somebody wants to do Craft World Waifu, like please send us pictures. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if I didn't have a sister's army to finish to paint and of and I have. A I'm going to have a few other things coming up to, to build and paint. Uh, if I didn't have that going on in my life, I would almost build like a combat patrol level 
craft world waifu just just out of pure spite <laughs> i still might i have i mean i don't know what the like eldari's gonna get a new combat patrol and if there's yeah. a wave serpent in there i mean yeah. i'll or even a falcon i'll buy it and wait will falcons be good for once Anything's possible, but uh, you know, if fate decrees that uh, that I should be given Eldar models to build and paint, I I'll just put this. I'm going to put this out there right now. Jeez. I will make craft. I will make craft world waifu. <laughs> See now, people. Are I will find conversion style. parts <laughs> and I will make craft world waifu. Oh my! And I will I will get like I'll have to have people send me like the spare dark reaper heads with the the hoodie the hoodie ears. And I will, I will make this a thing. Okay. I think I've got uh, extra uh, of those. Uh, oh, what was the the name of that anime uh, miniatures game that we kicked? Uh, Relic Knights. Yeah, Relic Knights. I have a bunch of the extra like base <laughs> toppers from that. Oh, I've got a ton use of those, those too. So I could absolutely yeah. use those. Use, use those as as your at, for for your bases. <sighs> But, like, paint them all in, like, neon colors. Right, exactly. Bubblegum pink. <laughs> all coming to green, like, like, pink, it. green, blue, like, 80s neon. And then, and then yes, Craft World Waifu. Okay, this is a thing that's got to happen. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just bad enough of a person to do it. <laughs> I mean, the sad thing is I kind of want to see it. Yes, you do. <laughs> you do want to see it. <laughs> I just have my own, so I don't want to build one on my own, so... Uh, uh, the listeners are both going to love and hate this so yeah um, yeah so going on <laughs> yeah so, anywho so, what are we yeah. talking about <laughs> uh so anyway yes those are the the three things that have been uh revealed so hey another aspect warrior class getting redone in in plastic uh, yep. still hoping that like we'll get a new dire avengers kit because that kit is also ancient if the guardians are yeah. getting redone hopefully dire avengers get redone and we haven't heard anything on fire dragons striking scorpions warp spiders shining spears uh swooping hawks all of those need redoing badly or doing in plastic the, in the first place. Do, do fire dragons really need being redone? Because how long did they stay on the table? <laughs> well, I mean, you're gonna need uh, uh, you're gonna need a model for them. I, you know, even if it's just like I, I know, just take a guardian model and like th- like duct tape a fusion pistol or a fusion <laughs> rifle onto it, and then just rem- like remove it when it's done. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe they'll make the fire dragons. A little less of a glass cannon, give them some survivability. No. Okay. Melt a gun. <laughs> Years of combat training. Melt a gun. Melt a gun. <laughs> <laughs> They're um, really good at melt a gun, yes. <laughs> so so dire avengers are in plastic. The other warp spiders, striking scorpions, fire dragons, they're all resin, right? They're all still fine cast? Kurt, yes. They're all fine still cast, yes. fine cast, yeah. Yeah, those definitely need to be. Notice they never refer to it as fine cast anymore. They just try to call it resin, and it's like, it's not, that's, it's kind of resin, but not really. Resin ish. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So I couldn't remember. Over the next few weeks, we'll get more and more of these leaked, and then that'll lead to a codex coming. Yeah. Oh, it's uh, definitely coming soon. Yeah. Yeah. And I imagine this box will, like the box that has Eldritch Omen, or the Eldritch Omen's box, the one that has like the new Autark. And the uh, like the new ranger bikes and the new rangers. 
Uh, that is probably going to be out sometime in February, I would guess. So we should be seeing Chaos Space Marines and Craft Worlds Codexes shortly thereafter. So I can't imagine you'll have to wait more than a month. But we've also known, like, we've also known that sometimes just because like a codex may be coming out, that doesn't mean all the kits for it will be out the yeah. by the codex being out. Like, how long did Space yeah. Marines have to wait for everything to be released for that book? Well, maybe this could be Year of the Eldar, where they keep on putting out a new Aspect Warrior every two months. That'd be nice. That would be a nice pace to, like, be able to collect them all. Yeah, and catch up. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, it's nice to see Eldar finally getting some love in plastic and getting that line finally updated. Even yeah. if it's just piecemeal, like I said, uh, it'll be good to have. Um, let's see. Uh, something else that dropped today is... Uh, a new line of terrain being dropped, which is not a hundred percent new because a couple of the pieces were featured in kill team boxes. I know because I have it and that's the uh, frontierist terrain, uh, which is the idea is like, e- like easy made buildings to drop onto like frontier worlds. Uh, and so like, there's a couple of buildings that they've used before, but there's they've they're adding some new stuff like a landing pad, Auspex Shrine, uh, Vox Antenna, and some stockades. So uh, just a, a new look. Although I will say the biggest issue I see for this terrain is it's wide, but it's low. So yeah. n- none of the pieces are really tall enough to trigger uh like the five inch height for blocking line of sight other than like the antenna but it's so thin that it won't really block much i mean it'll mix up the field a bit but one thing i do think is kind of interesting with these is like they do look relatively modular so i bet you could probably get like the oh i'm trying to think which one it is that's the wider one you could probably get that and then stack the other one on top of it. Like, and I bet that would probably be would look fine. Yeah, because it looks like yeah, there's a landing pad, and then it looks like there's the hab block that is the yeah. the one I'm I have. And mm. yeah, theoretically, if you can stack those, and maybe they'll be roughly the right height to do so, that would be that would actually be good because that might give you enough height. Yeah, but I'm surprised that they're like they're dropping this as uh like train for 40k whereas it before it was kill team train and for kill team it's great you know because it's you don't need tall terrain for for kill team you just need like scatter terrain and low buildings that can block line mm-hmm. of sight and that that's where it was packaged before so i think it's interesting they're putting it out because it is going to provide some more variety because they do have a mm-hmm. different um different style which which is what i kind of like yeah i do agree with that i mean it's it's not just the high gothic stuff and it's not just the mechanica stuff this is this this stuff looks very utilitarian which is mm-hmm. kind of nice and the having an actual like antenna module is kind of cool just for visual interest yeah it's something like or the uh, like the the dish with it like i guess i'm not sure which one is the antenna and i i guess the vox shrine is the or the Vox antenna is the tall one, and then I'm assuming the Auspex Shrine is the one with the dish on it. Right. Yeah, that's what it looks like. Well, and, and actually, like, looking through the article here, like, they have a few detail photos, and it looks like one of them is what I was Oh, yeah, definitely. It's the, yep, the, it's yeah. the... 
So I, I think with them being modular like that, I think they're going to lock in together and, and stack pretty well. So, yeah, I like this. More terrain okay. is always good. Yeah. So, yeah, as long as it, it's stackable like that, then, yeah, the, then that should be fine. And we'll allow you to, to break up the flow, get like a couple of sets of these. Yeah. There's one more thing that they showed that I, I just have to point out. Uh, it's not 40K, but I'll just say two words. Knife monkey. <laughs> what did i miss it, it's the it's the new underworld kit it's yeah, a pirate it's the, band yeah and there's a new yeah knife monkey and and there is a knife monkey <laughs> it's like a oh, cap yeah. your pe- two two goblins a monkey and a parrot i believe yep okay i see it it's yep. an ogre with an ogre with a monkey and a knife it is a knife great yep it looks hilarious. I, I love it. I love it, and I want it. Nice. <laughs> Counts as Jokero. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, he's got a weapon. <laughs> he does have a weapon. Right. Oh, he's got a knife. Ah. Hey, don't, don't come any closer. I cut you, man. <laughs> I'm reminded of the Hellboy comic panel. It's like, Look out, he's got a gun, and it's a chimp with a pistol. <laughs> and, and this is an actual panel from the Hellboy comics. So, so I'm sure there's a way to modify that to be a gun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, speaking of guns, uh, they also revealed uh, more information about the Tau Codex. Specifically, uh, they had mentioned in the, the Hammerhead Railgun article, that the railgun was not the most powerful weapon in the Tau Codex. It was not the strongest weapon. We have now seen the strong. What is probably the strongest weapon? Uh, and I that is so. the, uh, the the pulse blast cannon on the storm surge. So uh, while it lacks the shield busting power of the hammerhead railgun's hypersonic slugs, i.e., it does not ignore invulnerable saves. Thank God, because that's Yay. that's ridiculous. Ooh. It is strength sixteen. Which means it will wound damn near anything on twos. Yes. I think there are some titans it might not, but generally... Uh, yeah, you have to go up to a titan. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. To, to be wounded on a three. <laughs> um, Gee darn, whatever and, shall you do. Now, the blast cannon uh, has two ranges and this is interesting because in the past, the blast cannon worked like you figured out how far the target was from the storm surge and that determined what profile you used now you just pick one of these two profiles to fire um so there's focused shot which only has a 24 inch range but it is 24 inch range heavy two, strength 16 ap minus 4 12 damage <laughs> just just 12 damage just just flat like 12 just flat 12 which I think will disintegrate an armature in one in one shot. Yeah, but Gasgol would live, right? Yep, Gasgol yeah. would live because he could only take four. Yeah, <laughs> between both shots, he could only take four. Uh, same with like a Satan. Like Satan would shrug off most of the damage from this, but most other things will just die. And this is two shots, so if both of them hit and wound a knight and both get through the invuln save, that's a dead knight in one turn. In one shot, or you know, one set of attacks, <laughs> which is redonkulous. Yeah, 
And then there's the dispersed shot, which is range 48 inches, so much longer range, uh, heavy 6, strength 12, AP minus 2 for damage. Now, the thing is, heavy 6, 4 damage is the same as heavy 2, 12 damage. The gun is still doing 24 damage, just how many shots it's split up amongst. <laughs> That's solid. That is At least you very get saves solid. On it. <laughs> pretty, pretty. You do get saves. <laughs> and to compare that, like that far shot that it used to have, the 48 inch. Well, first of all, it only ever got to 30 inches of range before. It never went to 48. But at its furthest range band, it was heavy six, strength 10, AP zero, two damage. So much better now. And at close range, it used to be strength 14, damage 6, So, but same AP of AP minus 4. So, But that was at a 10-inch range. So it's got significantly more range, significantly more damage. Uh, it's, it's a very, very good gun. Although, again, with uh, invuln saves, you are not likely to get both of those shots in, but if one of them gets in, it's still going to ruin somebody's day because you're going to bracket them in one shot. Right. Even if you don't destroy them. And then uh, they've also mentioned how stabilizing anchors are going to work, and I like this so much better than the current Storm Surge rules. Uh, Whereas before, it's like you had to decide if you were going to use them or not, and like at the beginning of the turn... Or at the end of your shooting phase, at the end of the shooting phase, you had to pick whether you were going to use them, and then you could never move for any reason until you pulled them back up at the, at the beginning of your movement phase, and all it did was it added one to your hit rolls, and you but you couldn't use them until the next turn. You had to wait a turn to use them because you triggered them at the end of the shooting phase, and then you had to keep them there through your movement phase into the next turn shooting phase. Now it's just at the start of your movement phase, you perform this action. Uh, it end, or The action's completed at the start of your next shooting phase, which is going to be the phase immediately following that movement phase. And if the action is completed, and basically you're trading your movement for a turn... For the benefit of whenever you make a range attack, you can reroll the hit roll. That's way better than if I set this up for a turn, then next turn I can add one to my hit rolls. Right. <laughs> I, I mean, the that right there also tell, like, tells me the Storm Surge is going to be immediately and better unit to to play with it's just going to be a an easier unit to play with and we will probably not have to deal with the weird shenanigans of a storm surge riding a piece of floating tau terrain and figuring out if it was immobilized or not because that was a thing that was a thing in past editions it was a stupid thing but it was a thing (laughs) Uh, they mentioned that it has better toughness wounds saves and a built-in shield generator which was a piece of warrior you had to buy separately so it's going to be more durable and they've changed how the counterfire defense system works it is now one of these you have a keyword that triggers a or that allows a stratagem to be used and the stratagem is uh, use the stratagem in your opponent's shooting phase when an attack is allocated to a counterfire defense system model from your army. The damage characteristic of that attack is changed to one. If that model has 14 wounds or more, the stratagem costs two CP. Uh, otherwise, it costs one. So 
I don't care what like two storm surges firing at each other. Somebody's only going to take one damage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm I'm actually looking forward to trying the storm surge out, and also remembering that because it's a vehicle, it will have the same ability as like battlesuits do now, where it'll have you know it's a vehicle. It'll have big guns and never tires, so it can fire at in engagement range. So yeah. I think that'll, yeah. that'll I'm, I'm looking forward to, and I have two storm surges and I'm looking forward to using them. Although I think I have them modeled with the other gun because this gun was terrible because of its extremely short range. So now I'll just have to say, no, that's totally the other one. I'm serious. <laughs> this is totally a blast <laughs> cannon. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, let's see. They also announced five, five upcoming combat patrols. Ah, ah, ah. Uh, so Tau, the combat patrol for that has officially been announced. Uh, it is a, an ethereal, a cadre fireblade, a unit of stealth suits, a unit of fire warriors, and a ghost keel, which, uh, if, is an interesting force, uh, definitely, you know, a little bit more stealth-focused, and with the two, like, non-crisis suit-wearing commanders yeah. in the army. I would say, not counting the new Dark Strider model that they announced. Sure, sure. Yeah, it's kind of interesting to not include crisis suits, but I also, like, they've included crisis suits in, like, every previous version of the Combat Patrol, so I get I get wanting to shake it up a little bit. Yeah, the, this will this will mix it up uh, a bit and probably move some ghost keel suits too. So, yeah, probably because <laughs> ghost keels were always in the, they were in this bit. I love ghost keels. I I love playing with ghost keels. I've got two already, but they are in this weird spot where they're like they're bigger and more expensive than a crisis suit, but not as flexible as a crisis suit unit but also not as big and powerful as a Riptide. So they did not occupy a sweet spot. They were more like a very awkward middle sibling. And Mm. this means maybe maybe they'll get some love if people go out and buy the Combat Patrol. And then we see a Combat Patrol for Grey Knights, which looks to be their half of Shadow Throne. Or not Shadow Throne, of... uh, Ooh, what was their their box set that they shared with Thousand Sons? Hexfire. Hexfire. So yeah, it looks to be effectively their half of Hexfire, except maybe with not with Castellan Crow in it. And it looks, it's got a librarian instead. Okay, okay, so it's a five man yeah, strike squad, it's a five man terminator squad, a librarian. Okay, it's the one that they had in the codex that we've mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the one we looked at. And then the Thousand Sons with the uh, the new care like the new sorcerer type, and then a bunch of Zangors and Scarabacol Terminators. And then finally the uh, the Custodes and Gene Stealer Cults combat patrols. Uh, Gene Stealer Cults we'll be talking about in a future episode. Uh, we we will be talking about that codex as well. Uh, that one has a Goliath Rock Grinder, a Magus. A unit of neophyte hybrids looks like a unit of acolyte hy- or looks like is it two units of neophyte hybrids? Because I'm seeing like six. Yeah, it's two units of neophyte hybrids. A unit of a- 
aberrants, a unit of acolyte hybrids, the magus, and a goliath rock grinder. It, neophytes are 9 to 19, so that's one unit. So you could build it as just one big blobby unit. Yeah. And I'm trying to figure out if those are just acolytes or if those are metamorphs. I think they're just acolytes. Yeah, those are those are acolytes. Okay. But the the kit's the same. You could build them as the other. Okay. So this this one's got uh you know, a lot of like basic shooty troop, kind of a a close up assault troop, a set of close up heavy hitters. Uh, a psyker for a carrot commander and uh, one of like one of their few like heavy support vehicles. So I, it's an interesting looking patrol. We'll have to look at the codex and see how good it pans out. And then we have the custodes combat patrol, which is a looks like a unit of ten sisters of silence, a unit of three three guardians. Um a shield captain, and then a unit of the Praetor, the bikes. The, yeah, the, the Virtus Praetors, Praetors. Yeah. yeah. And a Vexilla. Yeah, and a, Vex- and a Vexilla. Yeah, so it's a it's a good mixed force. It has a little bit of everything from the Codex. So, I mean, the only thing you don't have in here is Alorus Terminators, which if you buy Shadow Throne, I don't know if that's still available, but you can get the, some of those in there. I know they still had one at the Citadel when I was there today. Yeah, I've, st- I've still seen that box around at a couple different stores as well. Yep, Shadow Throne is still available on their website as well. So, granted, you'll be stuck with ha- half of a uh, half of it will be a Gene Stealer cult army, which also does not, other than the uh, Neophyte hybrids, does not overlap with their combat patrols. So, and more Neophytes is not a bad thing. So, yeah, um, getting like if you can find somebody to split this with both of you would be happy taking these and a combat patrol to add on honestly i think so and actually i'll even give him credit because like if you look at the sisters of silence that are in shadow throne like granted the kit makes all three but what they have listed here and like in shadow throne are the uh sisters of silence with flamers and in the combat patrol they have them kitted out with bolters and and the power swords so even they're like trying to be like hey there's no overlap here (laughs) You have, yeah. to make, you have enough to make all three units. <laughs> yeah, no, you absolutely would. So, so yeah, I would, I would definitely consider picking this up and half of, uh, half of uh, Shadow Throne if you want to get started on either of these armies. And then a little bit of uh, reveals about what's coming up in the uh, Warzone Nachmand. Uh, campaign book the vigilist campaign book that is going to partner with the uh, first season so we're going to get an army of renown for the vanguard spearhead where everyone has to be in phobos armor or in uh, a uh, invictor tactical war suit so basically an all stealth marine army and there will be some special rules along with that as most of these armies of renown do so by limiting your your army building options significantly you get a uh, focused army to play with a few tricks that standard marines won't have and then uh order of the bloody rose is getting a codex supplement as part of uh vigis alone built into that book just like uh just like order of the martyred lady got a uh codex supplement in the the warzone caradon or chardon whichever how you pronounce it uh is so um, you know, there will be some new uh, stratagems, warlord traits, uh, 
new relics specifically for Order of the Bloody Rose, which Order of the Bloody Rose is already one of the the more popular uh, orders to play, so this is just going to be more tools for them, mm-hmm. which I generally play Bloody Rose, so I'm, I'm here for it. I'm definitely excited to try that out. Uh, and then the last thing I'm going, the last bit, and this may have slipped under the radar, although I know some people have been waiting for this, is there was a product that was UK only for a few years now called uh, Warhammer 40,000 Imperium. And it was the idea was there was a magazine that was aimed more at people who were just getting into the hobby. And every issue that came out every month would have, like, it was, you know, like I said, uh, positioned towards people new to the, the hobby. Each each month would have models and instructions on how to play them and instructions on how to play. And kind of like, what if you had like some of the old box, like the Dark Imperium box set or Indomitus box set, but you revealed it month by month and learned how to play in chunks and learned how to build models in chunks like that. Um, and so... You'll be able to subscribe to it now in Spain and Germany and the U.S. And it's going to f- take place over 80 issues. <laughs> and they give you, they show a photo of all the stuff you're going to get in it. And not only do you get like two full armies of like Marines and Necrons, including stuff that was not in any of those box sets. So, um, you get one of like for the Marines. You get one of the new ATVs. For uh, you get the tur- the new turret that they made. Um, it looks like you get Mechanicus and Sister stuff too. Because I see Seraphim in there. I see Cataphrons, like Cataphron Servitors in there. I see. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks like uh, Arcoflagellant. So you're going to get like a full Imperium army, and then on the Necron side. There's uh, a Triarch Stalker. There's one of the, like the, uh, not the Doomsday Arc, but the Annihilation Barge is there. And then a couple like the new, like the new Doomstalker Walkers. Uh, I see uh, Wraiths, or they could be Ophidian, uh, Ophidian Destroyers. I'm not sure, but. No, I think those are Wraiths. Those are Wraiths? Okay. Yeah, those look like And I see, I see a, a, I see a. There's a Canopic Spider. There's yep. uh there's a cryptech like there's a lot of there's a lot of cool stuff in here like honestly I see a, a heavy locust destroyer on the Imperium side it looks like you also get Girly Man like like the, it, I I think I see Robo Girly Man in there too so like you get a lot of you get a lot of stuff yeah and then terrain you get like several large ruins uh, some of the uh, shipping containers lots of pipes uh, wall sections a couple of like the hematrope reactors which. Um, I've never actually been able to grab those whenever they're in stock. So, and they are launching this in the U.S. on uh, the 26th of January. Uh, issue one is features a Space Marine captain and the uh, I think it's the Warden. Issue two has Necron warriors. Issue three has assault intercessors. Issue four has uh, Scorpec destroyers. Issue five has a another captain or maybe a oh no issue one is a lieutenant issue five is a captain yeah 
And then you can even enhance your collection further with a premium subscription, adding four additional forces from Chaos Space Marines, Tyranid, Tau Empire, and Orcs to experience a wider spectrum of what Warhammer 40k has to offer. Head to your local Warhammer store to pick up the first four issues this month or get every issue delivered directly to your door by subscribing now. Oh, yes, and there's a note at the bottom, including the Primark, yep. Reboot, Gullum, and himself, no less. So, yeah, yeah you get no, Bobby G <laughs> with this army. So, yeah. <sighs> And the first issue is six dollars and ninety five cents, and you get yeah, that's that's an interesting way to get, get a premier lieutenant, in. a royal warden, um, a gaming mat, a ruler, and dice. So it gives you enough to do like a one on one. Here's how to here's how the base mechanics of the game play. So each month we send you a Warhammer forty thousand Imperium pack directly to your home. We will only charge you each time we send a pack. Each pack will contain four magazines plus miniatures, paints, accessories, vehicle, or scenery. Additionally, we will send you free gifts with your first five packs. Uh, to store your magazines, we'll send you four binders, your first of which is free, and then you can choose to upgrade to a premium subscription for extra models. The gifts that you get a free issue, and one of the issues in your first pack is free. They send you a modeling kit with plastic glue, mold remover, and a pair of clippers, the free binder, uh, some basic brushes, and a painting handle is like your first five things. Nice. Yeah, this is a really cool way to get started. And, okay, so they do talk about what the the premium, so like when you get the they tell you like what issues you get the premium stuff with. So if you go premium, which is $3 more per issue with issue 17, you get a chaos space Marine army, which has um, chaos sorcerer unit of uh, chaos space Marines and a couple of the, like the greater possessed issue 33, you get Tyranids, which is a brood Lord, some gene stealers and termagants. Issue 51 will get you Tau, which is a Fireblade, a unit of Stealth Suits, and a unit of Fire Warriors. And Orcs, issue 69, nice. Uh, <laughs> you get um, a uh, Big Mech with Shock Attack Gun, a unit of Boys, and it looks like it might be the older boy models, and then a unit of Gretchen with a, with a Runt Herd. Nice. Uh, each issue is six ninety five. Uh, premium subscribers pay nine ninety five. Issue two onwards is priced at thirteen ninety five. Premium subscribers will pay sixteen ninety five. So that does mean most of the issues after that, since you're going to get like what they say a, a month is five issues, four issues. So that means each month you're talking about like a six sixty dollars a month over uh, twenty months. To get everything, since it's mm-hmm. eight, you know, since it's eighty issues, uh, assuming you don't go uh, premium, premiums add will add another twelve dollars to that. So you're talking like almost eighty dollars, you know, like seventy five dollars a month, roughly. But at the end, you'll have like two, like an Imperium army and a Necron army, and then a few scattered small things from other forces. I don't know if the premium is worth it for as little as you get for each force. Yeah. I'd almost rather, like, if I could pick a force and get, like, four installments that would fill it out somewhat, that would be nice. Mm-hmm. And as somebody who yeah. is already well-invested in the game, I don't think this is a good deal with me. And, oh, you know, deal for me. And, oh, this hurts me bad. Uh, going to, they have a section where, like, the, like, each magazine will feature 
you know, collecting, reading, building, painting, and it shows him painting paint directly on the gray plastic, and that hurts my soul. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, yeah. maybe it's a magical gray primer. No, because the base is unpainted. It'd have to be I mean, really magical. Well, some people prime on screw on sprues. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. They, that that's that's possible, but I don't. I don't think that's what this is. Maybe this th- this painter went through in the incredibly like in depth process of like basing it and then painting it and like adding layers until it gets back to gray plastic. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of what I that's kind of what I do with my gray knights. So right, that's what I was to say. Yeah, like I don't know anybody who does that. <laughs> Actually, th- what you don't realize is there's so that that's not really an intercessor, like an assault intercessor. These painting that's actually a guardsman. That's just how many layers of paint there are on it. <laughs> he looks like a space marine. He's bulked out a bit with primer. <laughs> wow. I've seen models that look like that. So yeah, oh although my. not with that much detail. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> yeah, no, I think this is very interesting for people that are into the hot, that are just getting started and into the hobby. The only thing I guess I will say from the like uh, perspective of it being like introduction to the hobby, this is a big commitment for somebody that's Agreed. just starting out in the hobby too. Like I, I almost kind of wish it was paced a little bit wider apart. Like I don't know. Like then again, I guess if it's eighty issues and you're doing it. Once a month, like that, you know, or twice a month, you're taking four years to get it all done. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I like the idea. Well, I like 80 the issues. It's 80 issues, but you're getting that in 24 issue chunks. Sure. Because you, sure. that's, that's the thing is you get four. So you're getting it. You're actually getting it all in less than two years. Right. Well, right. But yeah, just like getting four a month or whatever are those chunks. I, I don't know. I, I like the concept. I, I'm interested to see how the execution works. Now, I will say, like, what you get in the first month is not, it's a little bit less because it's only like three warriors and three assault intercessors. It's not like full units, Mm -hmm. but it's not all that different from what you'd get buying the very low end um, starter box, although with, you know, fewer models. But, I do like the fact that, like, if you, like, if you do this, A, it's rolling these things out in, like, weekly chunks. Like, they give you four weeks at once, and it's not a ton of models to put together at any one time. So, if you are somebody who wants to get into this, like, you know who this is perfect for? A parent who has a kid who wants to get into this. It pieces it out. You can outlay like 60 bucks is the cost of buying one model kit a month, but instead mm-hmm. you're getting small chunks of forces. You're a, and because you're not getting a ton of models at a time, you're able to like work together. Like if I had like a kid who was like seven or eight or, you know, who want or nine who wanted to play, this is actually not a bad way to do it because you you can do it, especially if like they're interested and you're kind of interested it's a way to do it together, kind of learn it bit by bit. And then by the end, you know, when you're two years into this, you've got the idea of how to play the game down because it's been teaching you the whole time. And you've got these two pretty well focused forces that I don't know how, like how exactly balanced they are supposed to be against one another, but like you're going to have two armies and a, and a small battlefield's worth of terrain to play over. That's not a bad way to do it, honestly. 
And no, no, other fair. than and if they're giving you paints and supplies for all of these on the regular, other than picking up primer, which you can go down to a hardware store and buy some Krylon primer paint or Rust-Oleum or whatever, you know, you can get cheap primer paint that works just fine. This is not a bad way to do it. And in the end, you're going to spend... Well, that's the other thing. Let's see. So we said it's... Let, let's let's skip the... Let's say we skip the uh, premier, or like the premium edition, because like I said, I don't think if you're trying to build two armies, adding these other four doesn't really help you. Um, 16. 1995 or, or no, 1395 1395 times 79 plus 9 uh, 695 for issue 1 all right so i do have i have a problem with this <laughs> i do yeah. have a problem with this did did, did you do the math <laughs> yeah it's uh it's 1100 bucks <laughs> yeah like so what seems like a reasonable outlay at sixty dollars or so or so a month, and it's actually a little bit less than that. Although shipping, I don't know if that's you know sure. what they charge for that. Oh, and are, are any binders or uh, binders will be sent throughout the course of your collection at a cost of a nine ninety five a binder? So add thirty bucks to that. Yeah. I I love the concept of it. yeah the concept's fine the execution's eh. I mean I although I'd also have to look at like put together the cost like I'd have to go through like what do each of these armies include like yeah now here's the other thing the collection is published weekly in select stores including Barnes and Noble Games Workshop and Warhammer stores as well as selected comic and hobby shops so. You don't have to buy them all. Like, you don't have to do the subscription service, but the price is going to be the same. So, mm-hmm. um, I wish they gave you a list of everything that was included because I'd like to go through and kind of price it out and see is this a good deal or not? I mean, ultimately, like, just based off of like the number of models that's in here, yeah, it probably is. And there's an argument to be made for it, you know being more affordable because it's kind of that that subscription model where it's like oh you're not paying it all up front whereas i mean let's be fair we've both you know everyone on this podcast has probably laid out at least this much for you know an army uh at a time so like uh, uh, it's, yeah, I, I can't argue that. And again, it's be, being but, broken into a chunk of a basically you know 60 bucks a month is a reasonable way to do the hobby yeah I just, yeah, I just, uh, it's one of those where I, like, until we actually sat down and until I sat down and did the math on it, I was like, ooh, this is way more than I thought. Like, that's, I don't love that. I don't love the subscription model being put on this. Like, I kind of do, because, like, I understand that you're able to pace it out a little bit, but that's a lot for what this is. Yeah, it is. It feels like this is probably more more cost and more like intense than what I would actually prefer as a starter product. Yeah. It's just one of those things like it doesn't necessarily feel like a starter product off the bat because you don't like get it all at once. It, I mean, it's again, it's a good way to kind of work yourself into the hobby. Yeah. All right. Okay. So I will say this, 
Bobby, we know Bobby G's in there. We know a Firestrike servo turret is in there. We know a Primaris Invader ATV is in there. We know, you know, we know a unit of three Outriders is in there. I'm already up to $200, and that's yeah. four kits. So not counting any of the other Marine stuff. Like if I put in... Yeah, yeah uh, there's Eliminators. There's, yeah, there's a lot of Assault Marines. Like, I, I don't know. Like, it's probably a good deal or at least like a better deal. But I don't know. It may be a project where I have to go through and figure all that out. But I'm not going to do it right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll just toss out there that spitballing math. Starting up an army is about five to six hundred bucks, I believe. And you said this was yep. two armies. This is two yep. armies, so so it probably maths out in the end. Yeah, exactly. uh, most likely. It's just sticker shock. Uh, yeah, it, yeah, I think it's one of those things that you you want to know that this going into it that you are going to be paying this. Like, I, you don't want to be surprised by it. Okay, so again, looking at the Necron side, we know there's a Triarch Stalker. We know there's a, an Annihilation Barge. We know there's a Locust Heavy Destroyer. We know there are Scorpic Destroyers. And it looks like there's a Necron uh, Royal Court in there because I can, like, I see a couple of the, like, the little bitty um, server, like, yeah, the little bitty Canoptic Servitors that come with mm-hmm. it and... There, I'm pretty sure there's a Scorpec Lord in there. Yeah, there, there is. So those put together is already three hundred and three dollars. That's that's like not even a dozen models. Yeah. So yeah, the cost is is probably relatively good, if not a bargain. But just be aware that at the end of this, you're going to have spent like almost twelve hundred dollars. <laughs> on on you know two armies plus terrain and i'd love for them to put out a list of like again everything you're going to get so yeah i i, I think again if this is looking at as a hobby that you want to share with a friend or a family member or especially a kid uh, and you want to kind of ease them into it or ease both of you into it and make it a project you work on together um, this is not a bad way to do it. Just be aware of the fact that it seems like a really good deal up front, uh, and it probably still is, but don't be surprised when you realize, oh, wow, this, you know, it's like I've spent over $1,000. But, I mean, you get I mean, a lot of stuff for it. We, we can also it's- look at our collections and see how much we've spent. No, I don't know. Right, oh, that's no. why. But, right, well, that's, I, I don't, that's why don't I, want to do that. This is why I want to. I do want to like caveat it up front of like, no, you are going to be spending eleven hundred bucks on this because, uh, yeah, I've done that before and like, pull, you know, pull up my head out a few months later. I'm like, wait a minute, how much money did I spend on this sister's army? Oof. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Just I think as long as people are aware of what they're getting into, yeah. But I I would also say skip the premium collection because what you're going to get there is it's not even a con like it's a teaser for four other armies. It is not going to give you enough to really do much with. So unless you really like you see one of those and it really, really grabs you, don't pay the three dollars more per issue when you're not going to see those new models for like 17 issues at it, like 16 mm-hmm. issues at a time. So 
you're going to be paying like another 50, 60 bucks. And again, uh, if you're paying like 16 times three is 48. So less than 50 bucks. And I can tell you, you're going to be getting more than 50 bucks in minis for each of those. So yeah, it's not a bad deal. It's just, they, they don't mesh with any, any of the other things you're getting. But I'm assuming the special magazine you get with them will tell you, like, hey, build this stuff and then play it against this stuff that you've collected so far. Yeah. But I can also tell you those four forces are probably not equivalent in points either. So if this seems like something you want to do, though, um, just prime your minis before you paint them. Don't don't make my soul hurt just by looking at that picture. Uh, <laughs> And I think that is all the news and new releases that they, you know, all the news that's fit to print uh, for this episode. And that takes us to your listener mail. As always, these letters are uh, written by you, the listeners, and we'll tell you how to get your letter read on the air at the end of the segment. And actually, we only have one letter today. Uh, This one is from Ian Salvajo, and Ian writes... Good day. I was wondering, what do you think of Forge World's model quality? As a new Tyranids player, but not new to 40k, I'm eager to buy some bigger monsters, and I'm looking at Forge World. My problem is I've read many times that some of their models do not always fit or are a general pain to build. It seems like a lot of money for low-quality models when I can find the same model 3D printed online for a better price and better quality. So has the internet lied to me or clouded my perception? Like, that's even possible, right? Uh, Anyway, thanks for your podcast. It makes walking to work much more enjoyable. Well, thank you, Ian. (laughs) Um... So, uh, does the internet lie to you about Forge World model quality? Um, so yes and no. One th- yeah, <laughs> yes and no. Everything say, you read on the internet is true. <laughs> Unless it's not. And sometimes right. it might be. <laughs> right. <laughs> the Earth is actually carried on the back of a tortoise. I'm sorry to break it to you all, but... Uh, <sighs> so, uh, the... <laughs> So the thing about For- Forge World model quality, uh, there's a couple things I will say. First off, older kits, like older designs, will not be nearly as good quality as newer yeah. designs. The-, the modeling is just better. They've gotten more used to working with uh, resin in general, like um, like what you can safely build with resin. The the older the older the older mold designs do tend to because just molds as they use them tend to break down over time yeah. so there's there's the risk in in you know getting one that didn't quite come out right but like they're generally not so bad that oh they just don't fit together right and yeah. th- like as far as the the constructing of models uh yeah, there, like any time you're dealing with resin, you have to remember th- uh, the difference between plastic and resin. Plastic can be injection molded by machines. Resin is almost always hand cast. So you are going to have more variations in quality. And there are just going to be some things that they cannot control, like air bubbles. Air bubbles will sometimes show up on the surface of models and will require you to kind of clean up and fill those fill those little holes that pop up and sometimes those can mm-hmm. obscure detail and that's frustrating but I will say the newer the kit the less likely like they've gotten better at 
like they've gotten better at designing the models and those kits those kits will be newer molds which means they'll be in better quality uh, and they're just they've you know they've generally improved uh, also just how those models fit on bases and the general aesthetic of them like for example I'm looking at Tyranids on the Forge World site and I will say there's not a lot to buy right now for for Nids yeah. there's like yeah. there's 12 kits and three or four of them are very old. I'm specifically yeah. talking about the Herodin, the two higher duels and the Hierophant Biotitan. Hierophant yeah. Biotitan is a very old kit. It is yes, also it a is. nightmare because it does not fit on a base period. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's gigantic. Yeah. Yeah. And it's got weird spindly bits and stuff. Yeah. Oh, well the yeah. legs will snap if you look at them. Like I've I have heard nightmare stories of people trying to build and then use a Hierophant Biotitan. Yeah. Now that said, the other things to look at for from the Forge World line, the Malanthrope and the Dimacarion, or the Dimacarion, those are a designed with the more recent Tyranid uh, aesthetic in use, and generally and. You know, so there's that, and they also generally have better rules. The Dimercaron, in fact, was like one of the like linchpins of a one of the more recently uh, passably successful uh, Tyranid builds. Um, lately, they've been leaning more into like Hive Guard uh, mixed in with uh, uh, Gene Stealer Cults, but you know, at a competitive level. But like, if you buy a Dimercaron, which is back in stock now, the Dimercaron and the Malanthrope are not bad choices. And yeah. Those are the two I would look at actually getting from Forge World if I was playing Tyranids. Yeah, the 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 Dimercaron is is a pretty much the newest model that they have in the Tyranid line. It is it's still really solid, like rules wise, and it. From what I've heard, I have not heard any any real bad stories about how it goes together. Now, are there people who have basically scanned all the parts and th- and done STLs of them? Absolutely, there there are definitely people who have done that. Yeah. Now that said, three D printing uh, de- is going to be like the, going to be extremely the, the quality is going to be based highly off of the printer that's being used, the material yeah. that's being used, um, the resolution it's being printed at in the case of like resin, especially. Mm-hmm. No, you, you're, you're exactly right. Like for something like this to be comparable to what you're doing, you're going to get from these Forge World models. You absolutely are going to want to use a resin printer, which has its own elements of, you know, issues with, but you know you can certainly get good quality resin prints that are as good or better in some cases as like what's available the problem is you're still dealing with all of the same resin issues so like the the cleaning and the fragility of the resin is still an issue the 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 flip side is it's it is a lot less so like you know i'll use the biotitan as the example because that's kind of the one that i think probably the most people would be interested in. It's $440 US from Forge World right now. You could certainly find, you know, uh models that are that are, you know, high quality models that were made by people for either this Biotitan or similar ones 
you could, you know, the, the cost of the material, like a good resin printer is, you know, 250 resin material is, you know, a little more expensive. So probably for about the same cost, you could probably print your own, but you're going to be dealing with all the same assembly issues, the time of printing it. Like nobody talks about like the, the resin quality issues with resin 3d printers, mostly because everybody that has a resin 3d printer already understands all of that. So they don't talk about it as much. Whereas people that buy from forge world or buy from other resin, uh, resin miniatures companies, people talk about like, Oh, working with resin is different because somebody who's never bought a forge world model, never worked with resin before, might buy this, think it's the same as working with plastic, and then be, you know, be shocked. So all of those issues still exist. All of those concerns that you have with, you know, models not lining up and fitting exactly and having to gap fill and, you know, fill in bubbles and things like that all still exist if you're doing the resin 3D printing. It's just that the, you know, the the cost is cheaper. So if you have to reprint a part, it's not as expensive to do that. So I, I think, you know, it's one of those where like, I think 3d printing in and of itself is a very fun hobby, but I don't know that it's necessarily, unless you're willing to like invest in the hobby and do it for a bunch of things. I don't know that it's appreciably cheaper uh, enough than just buying the stuff from forge world. So, you know, or, I mean, or I guess buying it from somebody who has, you know, who has the material and all that stuff already, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't think the internet's necessarily lied to you that like 3D printing, you know, resin 3D printing is better than Forge World or vice versa. I think there's cases to be made for both. I will say I I see I see resin pieces that are 3D printed that have decent detail, but mm. you are hard you will be hard pressed to find 3D printed resin that has the sharpness of detail that you'll see yeah. on like Forge World models. Like well, if you and want I th- really crisp, fine details, yeah. you're probably not going to get them from a 3D printed model. That is true. That is absolutely true. So like the Dimacarion is a really good example because it's a newer one. And yeah, there's a lot of really sharp edges, really good detail that you will probably not be able to get from a 3D printed version. But for something, an older model like the BioTitan or the Herodon, yeah, you can probably get pretty close to that same quality than from what you get from Forge World, just because it's an older model. It doesn't have as much detail. The design aesthetic's a little bit different. So you might, you know, I was just doing a quick Google search and there's, you know, a number of bio Titan quote unquote models out there that are, you know, remixes or different poses and things like that. So there is more flexibility if you're doing your own resin 3d printing. Um, just be aware that it's also a lot of other th- factors that go into it. And, you know, for some people, it's going to be worth it to buy the resin Forge World kit and clean it up and deal with it once, as opposed to somebody who might, you know, be more interested in the the 3D printing hobby for other reasons as well. And be like, yeah, then it, this is a neat challenge to try to print a Bio Titan or, you know, a, a Knight or something like that and kind of doing something bigger. So, yeah. And, and you know, keep in mind, there's also the... There, there's the legality and supporting of the company. I'm like, while I'm not necessarily trying to like simp for GW or anything like that, there is something to be said of if you're going to play this company's game, 
at least don't pirate their stuff. It's one thing if you can find a good counts as model, one that is yeah. evocative of the Forge World design, but not a straight scan and copy. Like um, if somebody kind of does a reimagining, or I'm going to do the Dimercarian, but in a different pose because I I, li- I don't like that yeah. pose that much. Or there's something I want to do. I think that's fine. And if you can find those and 3D print them, that's fine. But I'm not a big fan of recasts. Um, yeah. Recasts are going to be sometimes very mixed quality. The resin will not necessarily be as good. It's only going to be as good a recast as the original master. And if the original master had any issues in it, that's just going to get worse over time as they, you know, from the copies. Yeah. So with 3D, like if somebody is just scanning the like the parts of Dimer, you know, of the existing Dimercaron model and like re trying to regenerate those in uh in 3D printed resin or you know <laughs> trying trying to do it with a non-resin 3D printer, I just I can't it, imagine. I, no, I wouldn't even results. recommend it. I wouldn't recommend it at all. It, you would have to use resin to even get a approximately the same quality as much as i love my stl printers there's there's no way i could print this on an stl printer uh, yeah uh but. i do also like the the they are a hybrid kit but there's the the stone crusher carnifexes mm-hmm. yeah those are those are some neat those are a neat kit that uh it is probably fairly decent with like the the new like stampede like I think you can use those in the new stampede rules. I haven't gotten a chance to really look at those. Yeah, where they're yeah. basically just resin add-ons for the the plastic Carnifex kit. Yep. Yeah. Which when you when you buy those you're getting both the resin parts and the plastic Carnifex kit. Mhm. And honestly, those have always been kind of my favorite Forge World models like Outside of some of the cool, really cool, like, character models, the, like, resin upgrade kits and, like, the resin weapon add-ons and, and stuff like that have always been the ones that I've that I've had the most enjoyment with. Well, yeah, and those are the ones, like, we mentioned the aesthetics. It's like when they, when they put these upgrade kits together, they have to consider the original aesthetics of the model. So it's going to look like it fits this newer kit that they've released. Um, and, and that's the other thing, like, if you're just, like, let's say you find some uh, 3D printable pieces that will, like, help you convert something into a Dimercaron, mm-hmm. that, that's not a bad way to do it either. Again, it's like, I'm, I really don't like the idea of just, like, I'm going to buy a 3D printed version because it's going to be better than a Forge World one. Well, not really. It won't be. It'll yeah, be different, yeah. but it's not going to necessarily be well, better. Well, that's why I use the BioTitan, like the 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 BioTitan as the example, because honestly, that the Forge World model sucks. Like it's old, yes. it's fragile, it's garbage. If you can find a better one to three D print it, sure, go go right ahead. Like and like again, four hundred and forty dollars for the BioTitan model as is right now is not worth it because it's it's not a good model. But some of the other ones, like that calculus, is a little bit different. Like I would. I would much rather just buy the Dimacaron model from Forge World for 155 than deal with all of the issues and time of trying to resin 3D print one. And, you know, I love tinkering around with the 3D printers. So, like, I would just at that point, I'm like, nah, I think I'd rather just buy that model. But that's because it's a much better kit and it's a much newer kit. Some of those older ones, though, I think there's definitely 
you know, I, there's enough remixes and alternate poses and counts as versions of them out there that you could easily find a good 3D printa- printable one and, you know, and probably wind up with a cooler model and save some money. So mm-hmm. also the other thing is if you're going to buy any of these Forge World kits, buy them purely for flavor and because you find them interesting. Yeah. In general, uh, Outside of like a few very, very particular competitive builds for a few very specific armies. And I mean, few. It's like, I think the last one was like Chaos Space Marines, uh, you know, leaning on some of like the, the special like Horse Heresy or Dreadnoughts type thing. You generally don't need Forge World models to be yeah. competitive or to even make interesting armies. A lot of the codexes now have plenty of options that are available in plastic. Uh, even things that may have started out as uh, forge rolled resin that are now plastic. Speaking of nids, perfect example, the Trigon. The Trigon yep. was once a resin kit that you had to buy from forge rolled, and then they made it into plastic. And the plastic one looks uh, pretty much just as good, if not better than the resin one they had years ago um same i'd say with the great unclean one that they have for uh for you know chaos demons uh the i think the the size of the if they even still have yeah you can still get the great the great unclean one from forge world it has pretty much the same aesthetic as the plastic one um and I think the plastic one looks just as good, if not better, and is more customi- more easily customizable. Uh, so, yeah. like, there have been some models, like, they haven't replaced, they haven't, re- like, the Trigon, you can't get the resin one anymore. But you can still get the resin greater and clean, or great unclean one. But I think that's because they also still have the resin Bloodthirster, Lord of Change, and Keeper of Secrets on the site even though like they've kind of moved on from some of those aesthetics and they have plastic versions of all of those now although i think in some cases the forge world ones are a little bit bigger like i think the bloodthirster is noticeably bigger than the plastic ones yeah Yeah. but i think the keeper of secrets is comparable yeah zrachniel's comparable i mean she looks totally different but comparable yeah, and I think the Lord of Change uh, is a is larger than the existing than the plastic Lord of Change, but again, they effectively count as the same model. So, like for Nids, they're like I could absolutely see the Dimercaron made into plastic one day. Will it be this year when they get a you know if when they get a new codex? That I don't know, but I would say I. I wouldn't necessarily go out of my way to buy the the resin for uh, Tyranid stuff from Forge World, but not because Forge World resin is bad, just that I don't yeah. know if either of these kits are really necessary, unless you really want them. And if you really want them, yeah. other than the Biotitan, because that's, like I said, the model is just a nightmare in pure garbage. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, be- it's neat looking, but it's a nightmare to actually play with. Yeah. But other than that, like... You don't need them. The Dimer Karen's the one I... The Dimer Karen and the Malanthrope would be the two I'd be most likely to buy. That and yeah. uh, the Sky Slashers when those are back in stock. Yes. Although, Although I don't know. The the Sky Slashers... Uh, oh, God. I'm looking at how they're attached they're, to the bases. I, re- I rewind. They're, I, I, they're, I recant. Yeah. 
<laughs> like they yeah. they are a, a interesting like unit to field and, and would be worth taking if if you have need for what they can do, um, which is just have a cheap fast attack right slot that that can take up space and have and have wounds. Go I'd ahead. like to add the note: metal rods not included. Those aren't metal rods. Those are like paper clips that you full, bent out straight. Uh, Let's be honest here. Yeah, oh, that's that was, that's painful. That's, that's that's bad. I mean, at least it's not what I thought they originally were, which is I thought they were resin like rods. In which case, is like, oh no, <laughs> <laughs> they're metal, but uh, that's still not much better. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I yeah, like I I think I think for sky slashers, um, yeah, your best bet is to just kind of take actual rippers and then find like some little bat wings and kit bash your own and then figure out some way to put them on a base that makes them look like they're flying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but like as far like. As far as building anything other than NIDs, um, I've built a number of marine vehicles in resin. I've built uh, a couple of Tau things, including the Taunar. So I've built something very large. I've built something of Riptide size. I've built models using, like, the resin. Like, I've built Death Guard using the, the older resin Plague Marine conversion mm-hmm. bits. And honestly... For any of those, the quality is fine. Like, there will be some things that you will occasionally have to, uh, like, heat up so you can, like, soften it and then straighten it out. That, ha- you know, that's just resin bends when it's heated, so it may not, like, cure completely straight, so that you may have to fix things like that. Um, yeah. But generally, I haven't had too many issues with any of them. And the newer kits are much better designed, so, yeah, it's... Resin is resin. It's its own material. Um, it's going to have weirdness to deal with that you don't deal with with plastic. You have to use super glue. You can't use plastic cement. Um, you'll want to have green stuff available for filling gaps, although sometimes that can happen with older plastic kits too. So that's not something that's necessarily unique to resin. But uh, th- there's really nothing wrong with the the Forge World resin. I don't... But I won't say the internet has lied to you because sometimes people have had bad experiences with resin kits. It happens. So, yep, I've been fairly lucky. Like I, the Forge World stuff that I have gotten has been like some not new kits, really, but kind of some older orc kits because I've got a a Squigath and a, a Mecha Dread, and those all, you know. Medium-sized models, not any of, like, the big Titan-sized things, but, like, they went together surprisingly well, and I didn't really have to do... I did a little bit of gap-filling on uh, on the the Squigath, but other than that, it, they went together pretty well. Um, if you don't want to buy a Forge World Dimer Caron, I give you one other op- one other possibility. It is technically an official Warhammer 40k model. Track down the artist proof version of the Gene Stealer done by McFarland Toys. It is in gray, so it'll be ready for you to prime and paint. It's taller, you know, it's going to be tall on the base. Just put it on an actual base. 
have it with the scything claws up high. It's got the tendril face on it. Um, that would probably make a decent Dimercaron proxy, and you can even say it's an official GW model because it's a licensed product. Yeah. I'm just saying. I think it would... I, I, I'm curious. How tall are those? Because they're like 8 to 10 inches tall, aren't they? Yeah, they're like 10. They're like 10 the, inches. The, yeah, they're, they're like... Yeah, they're tall. They're definitely taller than like a hive tyrant. Yeah, I'd say that'd probably be a decent diver care on proxy. So um, I'm just I, I found that on an image search. I'm like, oh yeah, they did do those in artist proof. Well, that might that might work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I've seen I've seen good like kit bashes that use parts from like the like the Tyran effects and the a hive tyrant and um oh some of the other like trigon a couple of trigon like sets of of scything talons like glued together and uh the thing the big mouth garbly thing uh the horror specs yeah the horror specs like a like bunch of mouth mouth parts from that or like a a mall a mall lock for for the like the chest maw thing on a dimacarian mm-hmm. yeah i think the other thing that people need to remember when you see like when you're on a, th- a site where they like oh yeah we can print this 3d design for you what you're seeing is not the actual piece rendered in resin what you're seeing is the zbrush version that has been like like the yeah. way the artist has sculpted it which is not necessarily how it's going to turn out when you print it yeah, yeah. There's a lot of factors yeah. that go into like the actual quality of what you get at the end with when you 3D print. So it's, uh, yeah. I don't know. There's there's some things that I think that I would recommend printing, or that you know, I, I there's reasons why you would do it. But in most cases, I think the Forge World stuff's going to be better. You're just gonna, it's just going to be. Yeah. You're you're paying for the fact that you're not having to like deal with all of the the materials and the time and the 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 dialing in of settings to get the detail that you want. So for this for the newer Forge World models, they're amazing. They're worth they're worth the cost. For the older ones, depending on I can see the argument that like no, it's probably better. It may be better to 3D print. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I absolutely. So Ian, uh hopefully you were able to glean something useful from that. Uh so yeah, our I think our opinion is Forge World is is fine, especially for the newer stuff. Just be aware that working with resin is gonna have some oddities. But I would not say that Forge World models are low quality models, not by any means. Yeah. Better price. Price is debatable. Um because like Kevin said, if you're doing the printing yourself, you you can't forget the cost of the time you're putting into it. And if somebody else is doing the printing for you, then maybe. But also remember, you know, if GW doesn't sell models, GW stops making models. So right. at least, you know, at some point, it's their game. I mean, as long you know, if it's if it's a model that you're getting just to have um just could decide if you really need to have it for what you want to do on the tabletop if it's more that you want to have it as a collector piece then it makes more sense to actually buy the actual thing so at least to me 
And if you would like your letter read on the air, there are three good ways to get your message to us. First is email us. You can email us at ourfirstnames at preferredenemies.com. So Rob at Kevin at Dennis at Richard at preferredenemies.com. Or actually at ourfirstnames at preferredenemies.com. Second is Facebook. We are facebook.com slash preferredenemies. You can like us there. Follow us. We post what we think about like news releases, when episodes are coming, things that we're working on, etc. Um, and then third is Twitter. We are twitter.com slash preferred enemy, singular. And we take questions and comments from all those sources, throw them together, and try to get through as many as we can in an episode. This time we only had one, so we are wide open if you want to get your letter read on the air next episode. Um, second, we have a uh, Patreon as well if you want to help support the show. While we do not lock any of our episodes behind a paywall, and we do prefer that if you have the spare money to throw at the show that you focus first on uh, your local community and any charities in your community, whether they be uh, food banks or helping the homeless, things like that. Those are, you know, that's a way to use your wargaming powers for awesome. But uh, if after that you still want to help support the show, uh, your Patreon contributions cover things like our monthly hosting for the show, our uh, recording service that we use to record uh, remotely, uh, microphones whenever we need to replace them, which fortunately is not often, but it does happen from time to time. It also helps cover travel expenses for when we go to events to provide coverage for them. So uh, with all of you helping out, you've made it possible for us to do this show for over 10 years now. And we want to keep doing it, and we want to thank you for your contributions. And if you're thinking, well, what if I only have a dollar? Enough people put in a dollar, it adds up, and it really does help out. Um, The third thing I want to remind you is that coming up in May is Midwest Conquest, uh, the return of our uh, 40K tournament, although we are not the ones running it, except Kevin is running the friendly. So this is far more complex than it really sounds, <laughs> but we are working with a, another local group of 40K players to, uh, hold the event. Uh, it's going to be Memorial day weekend at the Stony Creek Hotel and Convention Center in Independence, Missouri, which is located near lots of shopping and eateries, um, there's going to be uh, a 40k like grand tournament, like super major or not super major, but a 40k major tournament. Hopefully, if we can get enough people there, there will be a friendly. Uh, we're going to have a night joust, and uh, Friday night we're going to have a beer hammer as well for anyone 21 or older. Um, if you want to check that out and register, you can either find the event on Best Coast Pairings. Just search for Midwest Conquest uh, in for 40k events around May. Or uh, you can go to MidwestConquest.com and find links and information on all those events where you can uh, sign and just go in and register. We've got all the all the information about the hotel, including how to get a room in the hotel block and uh, like event information, all our events. Um, uh, some information we need to update on the site is we are going to have not one, but two two different raffle armies uh, this year. Uh, We are going to have a Black Templars army, uh, and the tickets for that, the raffle is going to support a uh, charity that supports, I believe, the building of houses for veterans. Yeah, the Veterans Community. Yeah, Veterans Community Project, uh, which is a Kansas City-based charity that helps with finding homes for veterans. So uh, really cool, really cool charity there. And then the other army is going to be a uh, 
Dark Angel's army. Uh, this is actually the army that was originally going to be the Raffle army uh, two years ago. But uh, since then, obviously, we didn't have an event last year. And then this year, uh, we had a lot of Black Templar stuff that was provided to us by Games Workshop. And so we're like, we're going to turn that into a raffle army, which is funny because two years ago, we raffled off a Black Templar's army as well. But Mm -hmm. uh, we've actually got somebody local who is doing the build and paint on this. So that should look really cool. But we still had this Dark Angels army. And now that's become kind of important to us because the person who had collected this army and donated it to us to use for a raffle army um, has over the last month been diagnosed with a highly aggressive form of cancer. And so um, I am going to be taking on the building and painting of this army. And I, we are going to be putting the proceeds from that raffle to a uh, cancer related charity. We haven't uh, selected one yet. Uh, this just really came up in the last week or so, but I wanted to get it out here now. Uh, so um, two charities of your choice to support. You can, you know, and there, there's nothing saying you can't buy tickets for both armies. You could absolutely be lucky and win both armies. So, um, but uh, just that we will be serving two separate charities. Our, our, we'll have one for the, the veterans-related charity and one for a cancer-related charity. Um, and like I said, this is a... Uh, just kind of a, a way for for me to use my wargaming powers for awesome and hopefully turn this into help for people like our friend and people in the same situation. So I just want to put that out there. But we'll have more details on that as we get closer to the event. Again, there's going to be Memorial Day weekend in uh, Independence, Missouri. Uh, go to MidwestConquest.com to find details. We'll also be doing a marketing blitz on social media uh, probably in the next week or so. So uh, hopefully we'll have more and more details about the event just going out as uh, as we proceed. So uh, with that, we're going to go ahead and take a break for sponsor identification. And when we come back, we're going to get into our main topic, which is a look at the new Codex Adeptus Custodes. See you in a bit. Miniatures. We build them. We paint them. We love them. That's why we also want to get them to the battle and back again safely. And that's where Kara Multicase comes in. They offer a complete model storage and transport system. They offer a wide selection of core trays for standard size miniatures, as well as custom cut trays for specific models. KR's trays are made of a soft foam, available in a variety of colors, that won't scratch or snag your models. And to protect the foam, the trays are carried in easily stackable, swappable cardboard cases. They also offer a full range of Kaiser bags, backpacks, and aluminum cases for transporting your KR cases. You can even choose from pre-built tray selections to suit your army, or use the Autofill app to find just the right trays for your particular force. Whatever your game, 40K, X-Wing, Warm Hordes, or Historicals, KR Multicase has the cases to fit your needs. You can find out more at krmulticase.com. KR Multicase, soft foam for your figures, hard cases for the soft foam. Are you tired of playing on a boring battlefield? Do you want to step up the quality of your gaming table and make your battle look real? Then you need to check out the battle mats from GameMat. Their professionally designed rubber-based mats are just what your gaming table needs. Available in a variety of styles, with everything from rolling grasslands to urban war zones, winter wastelands to alien deserts, there's a GameMat mat to fit any kind of terrain. Their mats are padded, anti-slip, waterproof, 
And when you're done rolling dice and battling on your mat, just roll it up and stick it in the convenient carrying bag for easy transport and storage. And if you don't have a gaming table, they've got you covered with their folding Gboard portable gaming area and their line of pre-painted resin terrain. If you're ready to upgrade your gaming table, head over to www.gamemat.eu and find the gaming mat that's right for you. Game Mat, giving your armies the battlefield they deserve. And we're back, and that means it's time for our main topic, which is our look at the new Codex Adeptus Custodes. Uh, in, uh, so, first off, this preview copy was provided to us by Games Workshop in exchange for a uh, fair and unbiased review. Although it's hard to be unbiased when at least two of us play Custodes, so somebody's going to have an opinion. <laughs> I bought my Codex, so I'll be opinionated. <laughs> That's yeah, I true. Bought mine as- we only get one my- preview copy, so <laughs> yeah. So the yeah, two I- people, so I and I bought mine, so. <laughs> okay, so the person, the one person who doesn't play Custodes got the preview copy. So my opinion is I'm biased. Screw y'all. <laughs> I like Custodes. The end. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> They're custodes, they're good. All right, end of episode. <laughs> All right, call it a night. All right, wrap it up. Um, so, quick fluff background on the on the Adeptus Custodes. The they are the custodians of Terra. They were the uh, the you know, kind of the defenders of the Imperial throne and of the homeworld. Uh, and for most of the history of the Imperium, they didn't really get out much. Um, that was kind of their, their. They stayed at home protecting the uh, the the corpse of the God Emperor sitting on the Golden Throne, uh, among you know, and doing a, f- a few other things. But they really didn't take an active role in the the Galactic War until the return of uh, Bobby G of Reboot Gulliman, and uh, that's when. Um, well, let's see. Did they have a seventh? No, did they didn't have a seventh edition codex, did they? I wouldn't uh, say they did, but they're at the very end. In the yeah, whole... they did because they got I, they had they got in the Gathering Storm. Yes, okay, so, that's you know, right. Yeah, so yeah, yeah and so they, had, they had like they had like a formation, right? Yeah, that came with the Emperor's Talon box. That was basically right. just all that stuff together. Yeah, right. So. Yeah, I'm just trying to remember because it's it's been a while. Um, but uh, yeah, so when once basically the door, re- or once again, once the battle returned to Earth's doorstep, that's when they, along with the Sisters of Silence, who uh, another group that had been active like sh- shortly, like during and shortly after the Horus Heresy, but had kind of retreated back to Earth and Luna. They were basically tasked by Bobby G to like be another arm of the Emperor, defending the Emperor's interests in ways that only the Custodes really can. And what makes the Custodes special is that whereas like the Custodes are to space like regular space marine they're well, I'm trying to think. I was gonna say they are two space marines as this, but now there's premier space marines which are bigger than regular space marines. But <laughs> uh, you know, it's kind of like you have the Emperor, then Primarchs, and then between Primarchs and actual Space Marines, there were the Custodes. They were like a 
better version of Space Marines, but far, far fewer of them. I think there's only supposed to be it's, like 10,000. Well, it's, it's almost like the Emperor is their Primarch. Right. Yeah. And also the other thing about the 10,000, which they do say in the that, is they've kept that moniker, but people don't know if there's more or less, so they kind of still use that to hide their true numbers. Right. So, yeah, but the idea is that there are 10,000 gold-clad warriors directly serving the emperor and, and his interests and, and protecting the throne world. I do think it's interesting that all what all this proves is that the orcs are right. The people who are bigger <laughs> are the ones in charge. I mean, <laughs> well, okay. these are basically... The, the, the custodes are basically the knobs of Space Marines. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. No, they'd be the bosses. No, the Primarchs are the bosses. Yeah. Which means Trajan and Valoris should be bigger than any of them, but, you know, <laughs> it is what it is. Anyway. <laughs> but yes, the. But the, they are uh, still not the best because they is not green. They is not green. <laughs> Although, there, you could theorize. Could there be a green shield host? I don't think there's a green shield host, but. <laughs> you can make it. <laughs> you, you could, although actually that is one thing. This book does not have a way to build your own shield shield host. There are six, and that is it. Uh, shield hosts are kind of their equivalent of chapters, but they're not that they're not separated out as sharply as chapters are necessarily. Yeah, because they're not uh, as static, and you can go from one shield host to another one. Right. So it's it just more. The shield host more kind of determines what is their role in the greater organization. At that time, yeah. And then, in addition, I mentioned the Sisters of Silence. They are the Anathema Sycana. They are basically an entire group of all-female psychic nulls who exist to basically mute and shut, like, shut down and hunt down uh, rogue psychers. And... They, like I said, they kind of retreated out of the scene not long after the Horse Heresy, and now they are active again. And they, along with the Custodes, are the talons of the Emperor. You know, if they, if if there is someone that needs to be taken down, and you need something a little bit more intense than just a like an assassin, the Custodes and the Sisters of Silence will go and bring them down. You know, take them down, and sometimes bring them back. And lock them away in the vaults. <laughs> and the other thing that I like that they s- expanded on about the Sisters of Silence is they're useful on the black ships that transport the psychers from places to Terra. Right. I mean, Emperor's Which makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> well, and they can shut things down. Right. It's like if you have a ship full of, of psychers, it's good to have a bunch of people wandering around who basically exude auras of no psychic power here. Although probably not that great for the psychers' sanity, because being around a psychic null is not a comfortable experience, even if you're not psychic. Also, I thought it was interesting that um, they expanded a bit on the 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 vow of silence that Sisters of Silence take. Uh, they they never speak. Uh, they have a uh, like a sign and body language that they use to communicate. Uh, between each other and there's a lot of subtlety that they can use to convey motion you know convey meaning and and specifics and whereas there's a number of like shield captains that can un that understand it 
it's impossible for them to really communicate anything more than like crude concepts back because their armor does not allow them to move in such a way as to actually have those same lithe motions. Uh, But also I thought it was interesting that they, some uh, Sisters of Silence actually will use like vocoders or like they have devices that will send out bursts of binaric for communicating to like the Mechanicus. So it's like it, they're not necessarily limited by their vow, but they will, but they won't speak themselves. But they're still able to be a functional part of the army, just you know, of, of the the Imperium's military without it. Which yes, I, I do like that they expanded upon them a lot. Well, this is the most information I've seen about their lore, and it's really nice. Yeah, no, it's it's really great how much they've expanded this and made it into like a feeling like a a fully fleshed out force. I will say in the future, I would not be surprised if they get not or like a supplement just for them, mostly because they have hints that they're trying to rebuild their ranks and they talk about cadres, which might be like shield hosts because their little a squad I, is a cadre. So I, yeah, that, I that sounds like some, something they could absolutely expand in like one of the narrative, like war zone books. You know, just like we're getting like armies of renown and you know codex supplements, they could absolutely do a Sisters of Silence codex supplement that would expand upon that. So I could totally see it happening. And so let's get into the codex proper. And I do find like uh, so like we mentioned shield hosts, and it's what's also interesting about this book is this is not merely an update of the previous Custodes Codex. This is an update and fusing of the previous Custodes Codex plus the War of the Spider Psychic Awakening, which expanded the Custodes significantly and also gave us you know more expanded rules for the Sisters of Silence. That has almost all been rolled into this book and expanded on further. But uh, one thing that, like, right off the bat, they they talk about uh, detachment, like how to build detachments. And one thing we do have is not only can you have a custodes detachment, and that's something we'd be used to seeing in any of the, uh, like, co- codexes. Like, you know, here's, how, here's what defines a detachment for this codex. There's also the ability to build an anathema psychana detachment, one that is entirely... Sisters of Silence, or mostly Sisters of Silence. So the Custodes Detachment, uh, one that only includes models with the Adeptus Custodes keyword, not counting Anathema Psychana, Agent of the Imperium, or Unaligned. So you can have Assassins, Inquisitors, and Sisters of Silence in your Custodes Detachment. But one of the abilities is Emperor's Legion, which says you can't have more Sisters of Silence troops than Custodes troops. You can't have more uh, Sisters of Silence HQs, which there's like two to choose from, than Custodes HQs, and you can't have a Sisters of Silence be your Warlord if you're using a Custodes detachment. They can have a Warlord trait from some of the other like stratagems you can take, but they can't be your Warlord in that detachment. And that makes total sense, and I like how they did that as the Sisters of Silence are supplementing the army, and also right. it's probably a good thing because they're like a 60-point troop which and a very cheap hq so it, I, I like the way these rules play out thematically and army building wise well and it's it's also consistent with what we're seeing with cultists 
poxwalkers, novitiates for sisters, where they don't want you spamming the cheaper troop choice and not using the main troop for the army. They want you to use a mixed force at at most. Like they, you know, they want you. Like if you're playing a custodes army, you should have custodes troops. You can have these other troops too, but you shouldn't have more of those than custodes. Now, on the other hand, there's the Anathema Sycanda detachment, which is one in which you only include models with the Anathema Sycanda keyword, excluding Agent of the Imperium, Unaligned, and Valerian, who is one very specific custode. He can be in that army because. He and Alea were the Black Library special models, what, last year? I think so, yeah. yeah. And so they travel together, so it makes sense that he he's allowed to be with her in the detachment. But you can't splash custodes otherwise into a Sisters of Silence detachment. But it does yeah. also give them objective secured, which they do also have in a custodes detachment. Correct. And the two of them, like, they used to be one data sheet, and so it's it's kind of strange seeing them as two data sheets now, but I think it's still fine. Mm-hmm. Also, one other thing in a custodes detachment, custodes each model counts as two models for determining uh, who controls an objective marker. So that's a good way to make up for the fact that they don't have numbers, but yeah. each of them is the easily the equivalent of two people, and probably should be more than that. But yeah, we'll count. Um, and, yeah, I like that a lot. Uh, another uh, also mixed into the custodes detachment is the host of heroes rule. You can include a maximum of one of each type of shield captain, guardian, Alaris, Terminator, or Virtus Jetbike in each Adeptus custodes detachment from your army. You cannot spam. You cannot spam Jetbike captains, Boo. which is good. I remember well, that being you, a if thing. If you took three, three detachments, there's three. You you can take three detachments, but you have to be able to take <laughs> three detachments of custodes, which is going to get expensive real fast. Well, three, three patrol detachments is fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I know what you're saying. But it's it's good. It's like, it encur- again, we're trying to encourage non-spammy mixed arms armies. This is that This is also very good. And then also there's the Watchers of the Throne ability, which says because their model counts are so small, uh, there's a number of rules like Lookout Sir that might fail. Because like Custodes, a lot of their units like start at model count three. Well, three is the number of models you have to have for Lookout Sir to work. So theoretically, if you lost one Custode, suddenly they can just start picking off your characters. Watchers of the Throne says... Each custodes model also counts as two models for uh, Lookout Sir. Like for their infantry and their bikers, they count as two models. Four friendly Adeptus Custodes character models of the same shield host. So if you're down to two custodes, they can still g- protect a character and keep them from being targeted. So I am glad for that. Now we would get into shield hosts, but a big part of shield hosts and their abilities is going to be tied into the rule. So we're going to jump ahead to their army specific rules on page 89. And that gets into martial Kata. Uh, we'll also talk about their other abilities. Uh, Cause these are kind of also key to how the army functions. So first off there's Aegis the emperor. Now they've always had Aegis of the emperor, 
Um, before it was everybody has a five up and vulnerable save, and uh, you could shrug off mortal wounds in the psychic phase on a roll of six six plus. Now, Age of the Emperor is even better. It's a four up and vulnerable save, so everybody's rocking a two up four up in this army, and. Each time a model in this unit would lose a wound as a result of a mortal wound. We don't care if it's the psychic phase or not. Just any mortal wound, ignore it on a roll of six or more. And then for Sisters of Silence, we have the Daughters of the Abyss rule. They cannot be targeted or affected by psychic powers. It has no effect on them whatsoever. <laughs> um, every time a psychic test is taken for a unit, subtract one from the total... It for each unit with this ability within 18 inches of that unit to a maximum of minus three. So you can have up to three Sisters of Silence units basically putting pressure on an enemy psyker and causing them to have up to a minus three on their, their casting roll. And they wound psychers and demons within six inches with plus one to the wound roll. So primarily in in the fight phase they're going to be wounding psychers and demons more than uh than standard and in the past they only had the psychic abomination rule which was the can't be affected by psychic powers and whenever a psychic test is taken they could they could add up to minus four so now they only add up to minus three but then they also get the plus one to wound psychers so within six inches so not bad then they've got From Golden Light, which is their teleportation ability, kind of like a teleportarium strike. Normally, only uh, Alaris Terminators have this, but there's a stratagem that would allow you to give that rule to other units as well. And then we get to Martial Kata. Now, Kata, if anyone is vaguely familiar or unfamiliar with uh, martial arts, Katas are stances that martial artists use to kind of practice their forms and, like, you you basically to to learn the muscle memory to do certain moves so that when it's time to do those moves you don't have to think about them your body already knows how to do it because you've been practicing the move sets so for custodes they have given them this brand new ability and i we i think we talked about it in a past episode when they first revealed this so kata are somewhere between combat doctrines for space marines and the planning that you have to set up for Necrons, where you have to like pick what things you're going to do in what order on what turns. So after both sides are deployed, but before you have ta- determined who has the first turn, you select three kata. One is going to be your primary, one is going to be your secondary, one is going to be your tertiary. And then in each of your command phases, so long as one of the one of these is available, you select one kata. Each kata has two stances. You have to select your primary first, but you can select either of those two stances. And then you have that ability until your next command phase. On your next command phase, you can either choose to stay to to use the next kata in the primary. You can't use the same one twice. So you can't use, like, let's say you do stance one. You can't do stance one a second time. You can only move to stance two. Or you can move to your secondary kata and use one of those stances. But you can't move to your tertiary one until you've gone through your secondary one. You can't ever go backwards. You can't go from secondary to primary. 
and you can't go from primary to tertiary or vice versa. So it kind of requires you to figure out what is your army likely to be doing early game, mid game, late game. And then inside each of those, like I said, there's flexibility as far as what's, what stance you can use. So for example, uh, there's Callistus, which is the first time this unit advances, uh, you roll an extra D six and discard one of the results or stance two. each time you make a normal move or advance in the next shooting phase, you count as remaining stationary. So Callistus is a good one if you need to move up quickly. So probably going to be a better one to use as one of your primaries. And then there's Conservi, which is about doing actions. Stance one is you can perform an action in a turn in which it advanced or fell back. Stance two, you can perform an action and still shoot without the action failing. That one might be a good mid to late game one if you're trying to finish objectives. Dakatari. Each time an enemy unit compiles in or consolidates, if it starts that move within engagement range, subtract two inches from the distance that they can pile in, which means they can't get as many people into you. Or stance two, uh, each time it fights, it can use this ability. If it does so, then until the fight is resolved, um, you get an extra attack, but all your damage with your melee weapons is reduced to one, which you generally are doing two. So basically halves your damage, but gives you extra attacks. That's a good one if you're facing a horde army, and it's probably a, a, a late game strategy. Maybe a or, you know, late game kata, maybe a mid game. Uh, Solvus adds to your uh, the range on your ranged weapons and uh, lets you shoot twice with Auric weapons, which are basically your uh, guardian spear, like your guardian spears and sentinel blades. Um, so that one might be uh, primary or secondary because that's when you're going to be doing more shooting than you are fighting. Uh, so basically, each one works like this, and you're going to get one of those two benefits, and then you can switch to the other or move further down your chain. But it is going to require you to understand, like, there are six of them total, and you're going to have to understand all of them to really be able to play this army effectively. And like you said about you can't go back if you picked your primary, used one, then you swap to your secondary, used one of those, then you swap to your tertiary, used one of those, then your fourth turn you could you'd use your secondary, your second tertiary, and then turn five you just wouldn't have one. Right. So, so you-, you need to kind of plan and space them out. And this this is definitely the biggest change for the army in the book, I believe. Oh, absolutely. It does give them a, a whole bevy of new abilities. That they can, you know, use to basically tailor how they're fighting. And then on top of that, now we can go back to shield hosts. Because each shield host has their own fighting style, which gives them a pair of traits. This is kind of like their chapter traits. And then they have a, they'll have a, a kata of preference. And once per turn, or once per battle, when you select one of those kata's stances you count as using both stances at the same time, but it doesn't count as your use of the other stance. So then you can still use the other stance, but you can only do that once per battle. So for example, let's say you're p- picking the dread host, which their idea, they're the, the instruments of the emperor's wrath. Uh, their main kata is Dakatari, the one that was good about, uh, you know, cutting down the number of people who can pile in and giving you more attacks in exchange for damage, the anti-horde one. They can do both of their, like, they could say, okay, I'm fighting a horde, I need more attacks, and I don't want any all of them to pile in on me. 
once per game they can say, okay, I'm going to activate, I'm in Dakatari, now I'm going to activate both stances. And then next turn, I can then activate like the other stance I didn't use. And so the shield hosts themselves, they have these two traits, which are, again, basically their chapter traits, their preferred kata, and then a stratagem, a warlord trait, a relic, standard stuff. Um, thematically, uh, there are six. One of them is new. This very first one, Emperor's Chosen, was not in War of the Spider, so this is a brand new one. And I don't even think they have any particular like heraldry or color pattern. So I think they are just kind of like the generic one. It is. It says on the other page, if you don't have, if your shield host is not listed, then it's treated as Emperor's Chosen. Gotcha. So it's the default. So Emperor's Chosen, um, each time this unit with a trait is selected to shoot or fight, you can reroll one hit roll or one wound roll. Congratulations, they are the victors of the Blood Games, to go back to an old <laughs> an old stratagem. And then they ignore mortal, mortal wounds on four ups, not six ups. And then yeah, they're featured. Good. Yeah. And then their featured kata is Rendax, which is good for finding vehicles and monsters. Like that that's what it's made to do. So if you need to take down big stuff, Emperor's Chosen like Emperor's Chosen will be very good at that. And they're just generally like you know, they're just generally good at everything. It's kind of their their vibe. Each like even their warlord trait. Each time this warlord fights, after resolving all of its attacks, it can make a number of additional attacks equal to the number of enemy models destroyed as the result of its attacks during that fight, to a maximum of four additional attacks. So if you kill like five guys, you get four additional attacks, which not bad. Um, Shadow Keepers. This is the shield host that is known for basically guarding the dark cells on Terra, where the Imperium keep keeps all the deep dark secrets that they don't want anyone to know they are good at fighting characters because they are because the things that are kept in the dark cells are usually the people that they the imperium doesn't want you to know about so enemies have minus one attack when facing them and they can re-roll wound rolls anytime they're uh attacking a character and they're good their kata is captaris which is the the one the other ones we haven't covered which is um, that you like first stance is you can't re-roll attacks against them in melee. Oh, that's nice. And the second stance is uh, if somebody tries to uh, fall back from you, you roll off. And if you win the roll off, they don't fall back. I like their warlord trait too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Every time an attack made by this warlord is allocated to a character unit, they don't get invulnerable saves. Yeah. So you don't get away, you don't get saved. Yeah. You're you're attacking me less. I'm rerolling my wounds. Shadow keepers are made to kill characters. Just flat out. Uh Dreadhost, uh again, these are made to get in the face of of the the enemy. Each time a model in a unit with this trait makes an attack that targets an enemy within nine inches, their AP is improved by one, and you can reroll charge rolls for them. And their favored kata is the anti-horde one, Dakatari. And they also their warlord trait is uh, select the warlord or friendly core unit within six inches of the warlord until the start of next command phase. Uh, their sixes, their hit rolls of sixes explode into additional hits. So again, great for taking down hordes. Aquilin Shield, this is your defensive shield host. Uh, core units, which is basically your troops, can uh, intervene as if they were characters. 
Um, they treat attacks at AP minus one as AP zero, which considering they have two up armor is pretty good. And Salvas, the the ranged weapon, you know, getting more shots and more range. Uh, very defensive as well. Very, very defensive. And their Warlord halves all incoming damage if they use their Warlord trait. Solar Watch, uh, these guys are made to hit fast and hard. They add one to their advance and charge rolls. And if a unit with this trait has the implacable Vanguard ability, uh, which is their, I believe, the bike, the bike ability. Yeah, that's the bike advance ability. Their bikes auto advance seven instead of six, since it specifically says you don't roll. So it just works that extra inch of movement in there. And they can charge after they've fallen back. So they can just back up, hit you again, back up, hit you again. Their favorite kata is Callistus, which is the one that makes your advancing better and makes you act as though you're stationary if you advanced. And they can uh, their warlord trait is uh, select friendly solar watch infantry unit within six inches until the end of that phase. The unit can charge in a turn in which it advanced. I liked the name of it, though. <laughs> yes, <Yeah>, Sally Forth. <laughs> <laughs> and then finally, Emer- Emissaries Imperatus. They are uh, the fast ones. Not fast in movement, but fast in fighting. They always fight first. And they can ignore any and all modifiers to the hit wound roll. So you can't make them suffer any penalties to hit or wound. And then their aura abilities are expanded and they improve the, uh, they have a, the warlord hat or the warlord has three inches extra to all his aura abilities. And then they're, they gain an aura ability, which already has the three inches rolled in to, uh, add one to the leadership uh, characteristic characteristic of custodes or anathema psychanic units within nine inches. I actually don't think that warlord trait is worth it because custodes don't need it. <laughs> custodes absolutely don't need it in this codex. Cause I, we were talking before we recorded that there really weren't a lot of data, like data sheet changes. The main one that I noticed a lot, every custodes has 11 leadership, which is pretty darn cool. Like, they just don't break at all. I was surprised Trajan didn't have a 12. Yeah. (laughs) They have to leave some room for failure, but it's rare. But yeah, custodes just... Custodes don't break. So that's a Warlord trait I generally wouldn't bother with unless you're using a lot of... Well, and you can't use a lot of because of the, the limit on how many you can take, but... You you can use a lot of the the true... I mean, it's only... The sisters, yeah, but you can still use fast and elite slots and put all your sisters there. True, and so there, that would give them leadership nine instead of eight, which would make a difference. Um, We'll look at strats after we look at everything else. Um, There's the Captain Commander ability, which is something they originally added in War of the Spider, but they've kind of reworked how it works Uh, before. It was a strat that you spent a CP on, and then you picked a trait. And applied it to your care, like to your shield captain. It still applies to a shield captain and makes them a captain commander. But there's three groups of three, and each one can only like there's three that are only applied to guardians. There's three that are only applied to people in Alaris armor, and there's three that are only applied to people on jet bikes. So, for example, the guardian shield captain could t- get master of the stances which basically lets them use 
the same thing that a shield host can do, like, you know, use a, use both stances of Akata, but he can do it for, he can basically pick a core or character unit within six inches of the model. And until the start of your next command phase, that unit gets both stances from their, from the active Kata. So you can kind of spread that out a little bit. Or the Alaris captain could get stoppable, unstoppable destroyer, which lets him pile in an, or consolidate an extra inch and can heroically intervene. When they heroically intervene, they can move in any direction and can do so even if it is already touching an enemy model so long as it finishes the move within engagement range. So he can heroically intervene from one fight into another fight. Or the Virtus, so if you're on a shield or if you're on a jet bike, uh, your captain could take tip the spear each time this model makes an attack. If it may, if it charged or performed a heroic intervention this turn, reroll hit and wound rolls of one. So like for example, that one is 15 points and it's, so it's a 15 point upgrade to an existing shield captain if they're on a bike, but like that master of the stances one for the guardian shield captains is 25 points. And how many characters you can improve is based on the size of the battle. If you're playing combat, patrol or incursion so a thousand points or less you can play you can upgrade one character to a captain commander if you're playing two to three thousand points you can upgrade two characters so again you can't spam captain commanders at all then we've got uh warlord traits which these didn't change a lot from the codex i think there was one or two that change that did change well there's one that's new and then all of them got tweaks that made them all just better right so master of martial strategy is the new one um that lets you uh refund uh command points that you spend on stratagems on a five up uh and then this one this one is actually a pretty cool ability once per battle in your command phase if units from your army are using the martial kata ability before selecting a kata stance for your army you can change the order of your martial katas but it doesn't allow you to pick one more than once but let's say the fight is going differently than you thought you could switch you can change the order you can't change which ones you've selected but you could move your primary into tertiary or your secondary into primary or which you're probably only doing that on turn two but like you could mix or like especially for swapping your secondary and tertiary like let's say your tertiary one's going to be more uh, uh fight focused and the opponent gets into your face faster than you were planning you could use marsh master martial strategy to switch that one into your secondary which is actually pretty cool and then um champion of the imperium was their old number one it allows your you know like units within 12 like it did allow units within 12 inches to heroically intervene like they were characters now it just lets the warlord do it but the warlord can heroically intervene uh six inches instead of three and also re-roll all their uh attack hit rolls um superior creation that one didn't change you ignore wounds on a five up impregnable mind uh you can deny psychic powers as though you were a psyker um, and you add one to the result, which is what the old one did. And then in addition, the warlord counts as two additional models for controlling objectives. Radiant mantle is unchanged. Subtract one from hit rolls towards the warlord and then peerless warrior. That one, this one did change. Uh, but now it means your wound rolls of six trigger mortal wound and, uh, saving throws can't be re-rolled against your attacks. 
And then Sisters of Silence get their own set of Warlord traits with uh, auras that add uh, plus one to advance and charge rolls, let your Warlord reroll wound rolls of one, or cause more combat attrition. Your (laughs) or yeah, Silent Judge, it's a three-inch aura that makes uh, combat attrition tests suffer a, a penalty of one and make enemy units lose objective secured, which that's pretty powerful. I like that second ability there. Or then a, a last aura, six-inch aura that only affects friendly Sister Silence infantry, but whenever they attack someone, the target doesn't get the benefit of light, light or heavy cover. And adds three inches to their range, which is good because you have like, now you'll have 15 inch flamers or 27 inch bolters. Yeah, that's perfect for flamers. I I like the flamer one better. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. And then looking at their relics, a lot of the relics didn't really change much. Yeah, the relics didn't really change and they cut out a few. They did cut out a few. Now, there there was one that definitely change like a couple of them got a bit additional abilities added like the praetorian plate yes that's the one i saw which was a terminator one that lets yeah that lets you do a teleport shunt across the board um it also adds one to your toughness now there was one called the eagle's eye which was like an auto take a lot of the time in the past because it improved your invulnerable save by one it does not do that anymore but it adds one to your wounds and then once per battle before making a saving throw, um, you can turn it on and get a three up and vulnerable for the rest of the phase. So it's not an always on three up and vuln, but it's a once per battle, you can give yourself that for a phase three up, but the plus one wound is also nice. Otherwise, a lot of them are, like I said, they're tweaked. They're mostly similar. And then, um, the Sisters of Science also have relics, which are primarily better versions of their weapons, and then one defensive one that gives you a four-up invuln and subtract one from hit rolls and wound rolls made against the character, which that's, that's pretty like. nice, especially when they're like a tough three unit. They, they need that. And then we get into the data sheets. And as I said, most of these didn't change all that much. A lot, of, you know, some of them, the abilities were kind of tweaked and made more consistent wording-wise with the new rule set. Although there are a couple of that did get bumped in abilities that I think we absolutely do need to mention. So first off, Trajan Valoris, like one of he was the only named character before. Now there are th- technically three named characters, but he is like the the granddaddy, the captain general of the custodes. Also, one of the only named characters I've seen who can change like what subfaction they're part of. Because he actually has the shield host keyword. So whatever shield host you're using, he's in. Hmm. Which I really dig that for him. He ignores wounds on a five up, which he didn't have before. Oh, and he, he went from uh, seven wounds to eight. He went from five attacks to six. His axe in melee is is went from D3 damage to th- a fixed three damage. So he's hitting at strength 10, AP minus three, three damage with his six attacks. If he's your warlord, or if he's in your army, he has to be your warlord. He has both the captain and lieutenant auras. 
when an adeptus friendly adeptus custodes core unit is within six inches of this model each time a model in that unit makes an attack you ha- you, you can reroll both the hit and wound rolls of one and then there's the moment shackle now he had the moment shackle before and it would do things like let him fight an additional time or regain co- command points or regain wounds well, it still lets you fight again. That's like one thing you can do. It's like once per battle, you can do one of the following. At the end of the fight phase, if he's still in engagement range, he can fight again, which is pretty cool. After saving throws failed for this model, the damage characteristic becomes zero. Or after an enemy unit has fought, if this model is eligible to fight, you can fight with it next. So you can either interrupt. But yeah, so that's that of those, that's probably the least useful one. But the being able to reduce damage to zero once per game is really nice. And fight again is good for finishing something off that you just have to finish now. I will say the one thing he got nerfed on is his saving throw drop from a three up to a four up. Or invulnerable. That is true. That That is true. But, you know, that's fair. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, totally. But he, he did get an extra wound to make up for it. Also... He has two Warlord traits. He has both Champion of the Imperium, which he can reroll hit rolls when he attacks, and he can heroically intervene six inches. And he has Martial Martial Master of Martial Strategy, which means he regains command points on a five up, and he can change what order your katas are in. So he's the best possible leader for Custode's army. I mean, he's just I, he's not necessarily an auto take because it just depends on what you're doing. Like if you want to lean more towards like bikes and things like that, but he's a really solid choice. So then uh, like shield captains, they're pretty much the same. They gained a wound and gained an attack, which again, really good for them. And a leadership. They have the, yeah, their leadership 11. Every, if it's custodes, it's leadership 11, <laughs> just across and- the board. And the damage got flattened, which I like. Yes, uh, that is one nice thing. So, like, all of their melee weapons went from D3 damage to a fixed 2. And that's that's just really good because there's nothing more frustrating than rolling ones on those damage, <laughs> like, when you're trying to hit something hard. Also, the Guardian Spears went up in strength. So they're, they're plus 2 strength. So strength 7, and then the Castellan Axes are plus 3 strength. Eight strength, you know, eight strength total, but the difference is the AP. Also, all the um, the shooting is all consistently uh, like across the army. Strength four, AP minus one, two damage. The, in in the past, there were like some weapons, like the Sentinel Blade, didn't have as good damage in AP, and they fixed that. So the Sentinel Blades, if you're using swords, they're just as effective as shooting as using the spears. And then all of them have like the Captain Aura of core units within six inches reroll hit rolls of one same with like shield captains and lars terminator and they have the from golden light ability which means they can teleport in uh shield captain don eagle jet bike same thing we do get to see how the salvo launchers changed they got rid of the uh, flak burst missile there's basically just the one form which is your anti-vehicle shooting but it's better because it's d3 plus three damage instead of d instead of uh D6 or D3, depending. And then the Interceptor Lance used to only let you uh, reroll wound rolls on um, a successful charge. Now it adds one to the wound roll if you charged or heroically intervened. 
Uh, we've got the Blade Champion, which was the new character that was introduced in Shadow Throne. In uh, melee attacks, uh, melee attacks of one to three always fail against him. Every time a melee attack is allocated to him, you add one to the armor save, which he does only have a three up armor save. He's like one. He's wearing lighter armor, but in melee, he has a two up effectively, and he still has a four up in mold. His blade has three attack types, which you can choose from to attack either vehicles, hordes, or characters, which is nice. Right. Yeah. Just like, what are you fighting against? Do you want to? Hurt monsters or vehicles. The great thing about the monster vehicle one is the strength doesn't matter and the toughness doesn't matter. You'll automatically wound on a four up no matter what. But if you might wound on more than a four up, like if you're because you're strength seven and if it's only like a tough six vehicle, you'll still wound it on threes. And then, uh, yeah, there's the, his horde one lets him make two attacks instead of one, which is pretty nice because he's got six attack space, so he's swinging 12 times with that. Or his anti-character one lets him re- re-roll wound rolls. And is three damage instead of two, so very nice. Um, he can heroically intervene six inches, He can he, and he has to end up either closest to the nearest enemy model or in engagement range of an enemy character. So he can you can use him to hunt down characters. And then each time a friendly shield host unit declares a charge against an enemy that is within engagement range of this unit. So basically, if the blade champion is in engagement range, other sh- other units from your shield host re-roll, or add the other units from your shield host add one to the charge distance. So they're like it's kind of like he's leading the charge and encouraging them to get in as well. So if you want somebody to go hunt down characters or theoretically anything else, Blade Champion, not a bad choice. Also, he's a slightly cheaper HQ. Then we've got Valerian and Alea, the two characters who are now separate characters. Valerian, he's basically, a, he's a shield captain, so he's got like all the shield captain abilities. Although his sword is fantastic. Yeah, that's the part I was going to bring up. <laughs> yeah, because his ability, it's like, okay, strength plus two, great. AP minus four, two damage, so bet, slightly better AP and, you know, basic damage. But enemy models can't use any abilities to ignore the wounds they lose. So any of those abilities, like, yeah, I ignore wounds on a five up. No, you don't. Not against Valerian. Valerian will just cut you down. Um, once per battle round, so every two turns uh, he can re-roll a single hit roll wound roll charge roll or saving roll saving throw made for the model every time an attack is made against him wound rolls of one to three always fail so he has transhuman physiology built in so he's a very very good shield captain and you don't have to run him with a lay if you just want to use him as a named shield captain you can absolutely do that yeah he is he is very very strong and like the uh, trajan He's got the normal shield host thing because they can swap out wherever. So, right, if you want to use him in a shield host, do it. Right, and like I said, he's got the normal shield captain like reroll hit rolls of one aura. So he, like I said, you could just drop him in, and the difference in points is a normal shield captain is 110, and Valer- Valerian's 140. I'd say his sword is worth the extra 30. <laughs> and that transhuman physiology part too. And the tran. Oh yeah, the yeah. Like he like he's worth the extra thirty points, and he's a nice mid range between like for a named character between like having a normal shield captain who is one hundred and ten. He's one hundred and 
40 and then Trajan Valoris is 170. So he's got kind of a nice middle fate, middle step there. And then there's Alea who has the standard uh, Daughters of the Abyss thing. She has a Lieutenant Aura for Sisters of Silence. She's a five up invulnerable save and she fights first. And even if she's killed in the fight phase, she still gets her fights in at the end of the fight phase. Or after the after the unit that kills her is done attacking, then she gets to do her attack. So you cannot stop her from attacking. And her sword uh, gives her one extra... Or no, Misericordia. She has a Misericordia, which gives her an extra attack. But her sword is plus three strength, which gets her up to six. And then minus three AP, two damage. So she's got a decent sword. She's got a Misericordia, a five up and vulnerable save, and even if you kill her, she's still she's still going to fight you. And then there's the Knight Centura, which is the unnamed Sisters of Silence character, which, yeah, Sisters of Silence characters basically have the Lieutenant Aura for Sisters of Silence and the five up and vulnerable save. And then she can be equipped with any of the weapons that a Sisters of Silence would normally be equipped with. So if you want her a Flamer, Bolter, or Greatsword, she can use any of those. And then we get into the actual, like, the units. Again, these did really, they really didn't change other than the leadership. And the uh, weapon profiles got tweaked a little bit. Uh, Custodian Guard are still available in units of 3 to 10. Also, one note, uh, Storm Shields used to be a thing that you could take on Custodian Guard to give them 3-up invulns. Um, Now they are no longer Storm Shields. They are Presidium Shields, and they add one to their armor saves. Which... You'd say, well, they're already at a two-up, but it allows them to effectively ignore AP minus one. So if you need them to be a little bit hardier, you know, you can use the shield and uh, Sentinel Blade. Otherwise, Guardian Spears are still really good. Yeah, the only thing I think Sentinel Blade has going for it is if you're going to be in engagement range, it has the pistol trait. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, if you're planning on getting stuck in, the, the Sentinel Blade is not a bad choice. Um, prosecutors, which are your troops for Sisters of Silence, they are armed with bolt guns. That is what they are. They are they're effectively anti-psychic Sisters of Battle with bolt guns. Yep. <laughs> I mean that that's <laughs> what I mean, that's what this. Not, but they've all they do have a seven inch movement. That's like the one thing that makes them a little bit different. So anti-psychic, slightly faster movement. Otherwise, they have bolt guns. And they used to have an ability that would let them pick out psychers out of units yeah. like a sniper does. That's gone. Yeah. Um, wardens, which are basically custodian guard with one extra attack and the option to take axes instead of spears. Or axes instead of sentinel blades. They can't take sentinel blades, but they can take axes or spears. And before, that used to be mostly what it was. They did have an ability called Binding Oaths, which they still do, which allows them to ignore wounds on a six but they gained a new ability and i think this is what will make them worth taking at least one unit um watchman while a friendly shield host character unit is within three inches of this unit enemy units cannot target that character unit with ranged weapons and again it's one of those nice things that their named characters can be from any shield host which means you can protect your named characters with them as well so they get like the full bodyguard treatment which is nice it gives it gives them a role that they didn't have right and i really like that bodyguard role from having it with the sacrosense in the sisters army it's just such a nice ability to have oh yeah absolutely um we've got alaris custodians which are what if 
custodes, but in Terminator armor. And unlike most Terminators, their stat line, they didn't get like an extra wound or anything. Their stat line did not change except for their leadership. Um, the one thing that did change was the Ballista's Grenade Launcher. It went from uh, Strength 4, AP-3, 1 damage to Strength 5, AP-3, 1 damage, Blast. And also gained 6 inches of range from 12 to 18. And otherwise, they didn't really change. They even still have the ability Slayers of Tyrants, which lets them uh, pile in or, or consolidate towards enemy character units so long as they end up in engagement range. Yeah, the only other change from one codex to the other is they dropped from a minimum size of 3 to 1, but I think that was done sometime in the intervening updates. But yeah, so if you just want to take a Terminator, one. you can <laughs> yeah. yeah, you can take one. <laughs> then we get the Vexillus Praetor, which are basically their standard bearers. They start with a Vexilla Defensor, and then you choose, you can replace it with one of the other two. And this did change very slightly. So first off, it used to let you reroll failed morale tests for friendly Imperium units. Uh, that's gone. And again, that's, well, and that's because they're trying to discourage uh, soup builds. They want you to build, like if you're building custodes, they want you building custodes. So all the abilities here only affect custodes. Also, they did um, specify that you can only have each Vexilla in your army once. So while there are three choices, they are technically relics. You can't have two of the of the same one. So there's Defensor, which gives your shield host core character units within six inches light cover. Vexilla Imperius uh, adds one to the attacks of shield host core or character units. And then Vexilla Magnifica gives dense cover. So first one is better armor save. Second one is extra attack. Third one is minus one to be hit. And you can also take a Vexilla's Praetor in Terminator armor should you so choose. Which... Does because now the unit size is three, you could buy a box of LR Terminators, have one of them as Vexilla, and still have a u legal unit of two you could play. So yeah, or do a unit kind of, of nice. one, make one a shield captain, and one the Vexilla. Absolutely. <laughs> um, then we get to the Venerable Contemptor Dread. It Yay. is almost entirely the same, except for one important rule. It did get the, the current Dreadnought treatment of it reduces all damage by one to a minimum of one. They're still better dreadnoughts. Yeah, they're a little bit more durable. They did also lose a wound, which seems like a downgrade. But the thing is, by being only nine wounds, they don't degrade. They are as good as they are the whole time. And with reducing the damage by one, I think it's pretty much a wash, if not an upgrade. True. And then you've got Vigilators, your elite uh, Sisters of Silence. They have swords. The end. I mean, yeah, <laughs> that's it. That's it. They have swords. That's that. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> then there's the Virtus Praetors. These are your jet bikes. They gained a wound and leadership 11. And we've already talked about the uh, salvo launchers uh, from the shield captain on Virtus Praetor. They are basically these, but not a captain. They are, st they are your fastest unit. They are your dedicated anti-vehicle unit. Unless you take them with Hurricane Bolters. They have Hurricane Bolters stock. Most people I've seen playing them recently have had Hurricane Bolters. 
just for the weight of fire. The weight of fire is good. I mean, rapid fire six is is not bad, and the fact that you like you don't have any penalty for moving because you're a biker. Uh, I mean, you'll put down a withering amount of fire. Just remember, I guess if you're leaning into your characters being your anti like characters or anything with like axes, well, not being like yeah, your axes can easily take out vehicles. Yeah, true. And then you have your fast attack sisters of silence, which are the ones with flamers, witch seekers. However, they do actually have an ability that makes them separate from everyone else. They get free uh, six inch moves at the beginning of the game. And not just them. They're transport too. So they're, they're kind yeah. of like dominions in that regard. I like it. I want to build a rhino for them. Which was, gets us to the last two data sheets. The venerable land raider, which is a land raider. Yep, that's it. It's a lander. It's a land raider that that shrugs off wounds on sixes, but it's still a land raider. And the Anathema Psychana Rhino, which used to be called the Null Maiden Rhino, and I think is a much easier name than Psychana Anathema Psychana Rhino. I think Null Maiden Rhino would have been better, but it's a Rhino. It doesn't even have like the Daughters of the Abyss ability. And also, if you put your Daughters of the Abyss in a Rhino, they don't give off their aura because they're no longer on the table. So just right, be aware but you can of that. move them forward that move, then first turn hop them out. If you're using witch seekers, yes, yes, and I do like that they do spe- specify that no, you have you can't take more rhinos than you take of um, sisters of silence <laughs> units. Yeah, yeah. Do not follow a detachment's normal rules for battlefield rule slots for this dedicated transport. You can have one. Yeah, that that's it's like yeah, I have like three custodes, no sisters of silence, and five rhinos. <laughs> Why? Cuz. I mean, at least the rhinos don't give off the, the null void, you know, the null thing like they used to, because then like people would, yeah, people would take those rhinos for to, that. Right. Yeah. But now there is no reason to, cause they can't fit into the rhino and yeah. I mean, rhinos are cool vehicles. But yeah. Are they though? <laughs> they're rhinos. I mean, they're iconic. If a, if a hammerhead looks at them funny, they die. I mean, sure, but. Are you really going to waste a hammerhead? Sh- Are you going to waste a hammerhead shot on a rhino? <laughs> if it's your only vehicle on the table, sure. <laughs> also, if a rhino or if a hammerhead looks at a uh, looks at a venerable contemptor dread the wrong way, it will also die, even yeah. with the minus one damage. Yeah, I don't like that. There, there, there are other better dreadnoughts in the Forge World book. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. We'll have to see if anything in the Forge World book gets tweaked or updated. I don't think they've released any uh, FAQs or errata that would update them yet. Uh, have they updated anything in the Forge World book? Um, <laughs> no, they, I don't think so. I'm pretty sure they've released some errata for it. Let's but see. yeah, not nothing particularly of note, really, I don't think. They updated the Imperial Armor Compendium in on September fourteenth, so that's that's something. With all the, uh, they updated it with a lot of the orc stuff. Oh, uh, right. Yeah. So like ramshackle, here we go. Like they up they, they updated some the of the versions rules. of those. Right. So it is possible that they they'll update some of these with like the new Aegis and things like you know and and, and things like that to make them run consistently. It's possible. I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> mm. 
And uh, let's see. And then finally, uh, we'll look at strats. We'll just hit some of the highlights. Uh, a number of these were like versions of them were either in the Codex or in uh, War of the Spider. So I don't think they're necessarily going like stratagem wise. I don't think they're going to end up playing all that differently than they did before. I mean, the only one I would w- want to call out is Victor of the Blood Games, which used to yes. give you the reroll, but instead now gives you a second Warlord trait. Right. Which is not terrible, it's just not what it did before. But uh, they did, you know, make sure that there are strats for Vigilators and Witch Seekers to do special things. There's a Talons of the Emperor strat that lets you, like, after you fight with a Custodes unit, then you select a Sisters of Silence unit within six inches, and that Sisters of Silence unit uh, adds one of their hit rolls so it's like encouraging you to play them together but yeah a lot of these did not really change i mentioned from golden or that the golden light ability there's a strat which they had before called from golden light they come which basically gives that ability to custodes infantry bikers or dreadnoughts so you can deep strike them in as well unleash the lions is one they had before where you could take a unit of Alars- terminators and split them out like each one became its own unit which is also probably one of the reasons why they lowered the unit size to one so that they're still legal units also one thing i did note about a lot of the cp costs um it used to be that all the cp costs for these strats were like or like for a lot of them were two cp regardless now a good number of them are one cp if the unit is three models or less and 2CP if it's larger. So if you're running minimum size like custodian guards or if you're using them on characters, if if they're legal strats to use, you don't pay as many CP to use them, which I do like that tweak. But yeah, most of these stratagems existed in some form or other in uh, and in very close forms in uh, the previous codex and in uh, War of the Spiders. So the biggest changes to how custodes are going to play is going to be kata and managing managing your kata and using them properly. Otherwise, this army is going to be pretty much where it was before, which if I remember right, custodes weren't in a terrible place. They were like a solid mid-tier army. Yeah, and, this and I just think gives, they'll yeah. stay there. Yeah, I think this gives them a few a few new tools. I think the shield hosts make them a little bit more interesting to play because there's more incentive to pick one. Although if you don't, uh, Emperor's Chosen is still fantastic. Well, I think I think the big thing for me is they you know changing the way that they count for objectives, much like when that change happened for Imperial Knights, allows them to play the game in Ninth Edition. And actually, like, try to hold objectives and, you know, play for secondaries and things rather than just, well, we've got to kill, we've got to kill you off the table. And I think that's going to bump their power level up a little bit, make them a little bit more competitive uh, on the table because just because they're, they're playing the game like everyone else is now. Yeah, that will definitely help um, because with objectives being such a large part of the game and with custodes, like, you can't field big armies of custodes. It's prohibitively expensive. I mean, the largest unit you can field is 10. I've never seen anyone running a 10-man squad of custodes. Uh, it's 
it would it would yeah. be very <laughs> i mean like a squad of three is i mean they're 45 points model so you could run a unit of 10 for 450 points but you can only fit assuming, five of them in the um uh, land raider in the land raider <laughs> Yeah, you don't take the Land Raider. <laughs> oh, but I like yeah. Land Raider. But I mean, this is this is like the ultimate small elite army. Like that this is like the epi- like the epitome of small elite units. And like even more so than Grey Knights. And strangely enough, it with the addition of Sisters of Silence, it's the anti Grey Knight army as well. <laughs> yep. Right. And then finally, there are chapter-approved missions. Um, there's under No Mercy, No Respite, there's Might of Terra. Score four victory points at the end of the battle round if one or more enemy units were destroyed in this battle round. And no Custodes or Anathema Sycana units from your army were destroyed this battle round. Not impossible to do, but actually harder to do if you take Sisters of Silence because they are so Agreed. fragile. Yeah. But there's nothing saying you have to take both. If you take an all-Custodes army, this is actually a very achievable um, battlefield supremacy gets stand vigil score three victory points at the end of the battle if you control more objective markers that are not within either player's deployment zone than your opponent does that one's going to be very mission specific based on where they're set up on the table but it does encourage you to hold the middle of the table which is something this army can absolutely do and then finally purge the enemy gets Auric mortalis um, if you select this objective, then before the battle, you must select one unit from your opponent's army that has the Primor- Primarch or Supreme Commander keyword to be marked for death. If no such unit exists, select one unit from your opponent's army with the highest point value to be marked for death. Aircraft units are ignored. Okay, so I do like that if they have a big dude in charge, you have to pick them, but if not, just pick the biggest thing out there. And then at the end of the battle... You calculate how many victory points to a minimum of zero you score for this objective. Five victory points if the unit you marked was destroyed. Five if it was destroyed by the result of a melee attack made by a custodes or Psychana unit from your army. Five victory points if both of the above are true and the unit you selected to be marked from, for death was destroyed more than six inches away from your deployment zone. So you fought it on their territory, not on yours. And then minus two victory point... For each unit from your army that the unit you selected to be marked for death destroyed. That's the one that could bite you in the ass. Yeah. Because Primarchs or Supreme Commanders tend to be pretty nasty. So, like, yeah, I might not take that if I'm fighting Mortarian. Although, you do have the ability to shrug off uh, mortal wounds. So, maybe... I like um, the flavor of this one, but like you said, Rob, I think it would be a tough take. It's a it's a tough take. Uh, it's it's one I would only take in a in a few cases, like one where like and again, it's like you can't in a competitive scene, which is where these are really going to matter. You can't tailor your army to what you're fighting. Like if I was playing a game with like a Talons of the Emperor build against like Thousand Sons that had uh, Magnus, I might take this because the Sisters of Silence will shut down a lot of what they can do, but you can't guarantee that. So this one's super specific, but I think battle, I think the battlefield supremacy is a good one to take the, the stand vigil and in an all custodes army might of Terra is not a bad one either. And that pretty much gets us through the book. As I, 
I am not a custodes player, so I will ask you guys, since you all bought the codex because you are custodes players, uh, what do you think? Well, I think that it, like I said, I think that it's it it definitely upgrades them to play in ninth edition. Um, I don't think it makes them top tier. I think they're still going to be kind of a fun uh, niche army to play. You know, I think you can. They have the tools to be competitive against everything, but I don't think they'll dominate the table. But you know, they've always been a fun army to play, and I think this will continue to be a fun army. Okay, I'll go ahead and echo what Kevin said. Um, I do have a concern with it though, which is pretty much on the kata. Um, I used to love saying this is a great beginner army because it's very straightforward and simple, and the kata will make that a bit more complicated. I mean, once you go through it, you figure it out, you'll understand it. But for just jumping in, I think that adds a little confusion. Um, but I like that the depth is there and I, I want to try those out and see how they perform. Yeah, I, I pretty much agree. I, I have not really gotten a chance to really play my custodes at all. So they, it's cool looking. <laughs> <laughs> the, the models do have the rule of cool yes they yeah. absolutely do and it is the ultimate uh small model count easy to paint army too so like it's still a good yeah starting army i do like that there's actually a combat patrol for them because they were one of the armies that didn't really have a start collecting box in any way so being yeah. having a starting point for this army is actually really nice i do like that yeah so, but yeah, I do see your concern that like this was the, this army is easy. They're really tough. They don't have a lot of special rules and they just go out and fight things. And now it's like, now you have to know how to fight things with them properly in the right order. So adding the shield host is really cool. That's easy to pick up on. Here's just some extra rules. But I think mm -hmm. having the kata where you're changing it as you go along in the game, that's something that's going to have to be an adjustment. Well, I mean, it worked out so well for Necron. Oh, wait. <laughs> mm, never mind. <laughs> so, eh, but <laughs> well, I think with them, it, I, it, it'll it'll be easier to manage because, like I said, it's a little bit more I, like combat doctrines to an extent. Yeah, and I think yeah, it will. I, be. I think it'll work. With. All right. Well, I think that moves us on to hobby progress and then the morale phase. Uh, hobby progress. Uh, I've been finishing up some some non forty k models. Uh, and then the next thing I'm going to be paint, painting on is Bellicor. And then I built a super secret model that I cannot tell anyone about yet. I can tell you that I built a model. I can't tell you what it is. Hooray, super secret model. Is it bigger super than model. a bread box? I, sorry, I, I, what? Is it bigger than a bread box? <laughs> no, uh, it's a mini even like is it even i think my town r is bigger than a bread box because we actually I have mean, a bread box in the kitchen the town r is bigger than a bread box i don't think i have anything else that's bigger than a bread box so, so it's not a titan it's yet. not a thunderhawk okay fair enough <laughs> yeah that's all we care about did you get a titan a thunderhawk yeah. or a manta oh i almost right. forgot yeah they're they're giving away three mantas you you built a squat <laughs> oh cool no <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i almost forgot that that if you spend like 100 pounds or the equivalent or have a warhammer plus subscription you are entered in the drawing to win a uh a manta one of three mantas that they're giving away and i don't know if that's a blessing or a curse 
<laughs> that's a that's like a may you live in l- interesting l- times, Kurt. Little column A, little column B. Yeah, fair enough. The ongoing uh, Squidmar miniatures like adventures with Thermanta has been really interesting and definitely makes me not ever want to have one. <laughs> <laughs> As we were talking about Forge World kits, that's an old Forge World kit. <laughs> That yeah. that predates like their newest website by like two iterations. Like that, <laughs> they had that thing when I got into the game. <laughs> but, you know, back you know, and 10 so years back ago. in the nineties, <laughs> and it is ginormous. It is huge. Well, not in the nineties. They don't think they had town in the nineties. But when I got oh, back okay. into the game, oh, but yeah, okay. <laughs> it's huge. I still the classic image of the of the the guy. Trying to heft one in both arms, and you can see the like the cords in his neck straining as he's holding the thing. <laughs> I don't even want to think of where I would store it, how I would transport it, let alone build it. That's when you yeah. start doing the like sand bath and metal cages that they talked about in that classic uh, <laughs> independent characters video. Yeah, yeah, it's a nightmare. So I, I, it's like. Don't threaten me with a bad time, please. <laughs> mm. But yeah, so I, I've built one model, but I'm I'm going to be mostly focusing on painting uh, Bellicor next, and then getting into my uh, sis- my uh, sisters of battle. You won, Amanda. Congratulations. <laughs> Question. We can just say, Is just- I'm Ron Burgundy. <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> Um, I haven't done much. I just finally drove back home this weekend, so I did bring a bunch of, like, I cleared out all of my 40k stuff and, like, extra models that I had for various games in my house and brought them here, and, uh, now I've got to start categorizing and figuring out what to do with those, but I do have, uh, extra random models that I can start, like, testing airbrush paint, you know, airbrush stuff on, so, uh, that's ostensibly my hobby progress for the last month and a half <laughs> well let's see i i'm starting my i guess new year new army thing this is be two years in a row where last year was sisters this year i'm going to do knights and finally build that eldar knight that i said i wanted to build a long time ago um so i have an old eldar wraith knight which was already kind of falling apart due to glue and then it was the move and it i just determined it 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 could sacrifice itself because i wasn't using it anytime soon if i need a sun cannon wraith knight in the future i can just i'll just get a new one but so it's being salvaged for parts and then they'll have like the weapons and the shields and some other bits to put on the knight to make my little eldar themed inspired knight and then the, with the goal of making a knight army with some custodes of the Aquilin shield and an inquisitor, and then call that my Midwest conquest friendly army. So that's my timeline goal and what I'll be probably working on for the next few months. Uh, for me, I went ahead and uh, I did finish putting together the, the four squig hog boys that I uh, went along with the one knob that I built last time. Uh, and then I, I built one other squeak rider. I put together the red Gaba and Bouncer. 
That is a fun looking model. I mean, their their yeah. their red gabo stuff is always fun. Yeah, he he went together pretty good, and and he'll he'll actually I think go along actually pretty well with my beast snaga army because most of them are going to be on squigs. Yeah, he'll fit in very nicely. And that takes us to the morale phase, and I'm going to uh, dig up a a blast from the past, specifically something that came out in the end of 2020 and uh, has actually needed a year to percolate and mature because I have started playing Cyberpunk 2077 recently. Um, <laughs> that game had a much maligned launch for good reason. It was not ready for prime time when they dropped it. Um, and no, it was not. Yeah, it was not. The, the, the number of graphical bugs that were uh, happening and gameplay bugs and such, that game was, it was not, the, the version that they released was not ready. Now, they are, they've patched it several times since then, and uh, it's, I think they were, working on either i don't know if they're skipping patch one four and going straight to one five there's been uh mixed news on that but anyway um and i would not recommend playing it on ps4 at all or uh xbox one because those (laughs) are particularly bad ports and they knew it when it came out so cd project red uh did screw up a bit on the release of this Uh, yeah i i have i have kind of an older a not not really an old computer but it's a a little bit older uh, of a processor and not like a, a super new graphics card and i will tell you that it it meets the minimum requirements for Cyberpunk 77. But good lord, that's a lie. Because <laughs> it did not play. Like you you should go and look online and see what what Cyberpunk 2077 looks like when you turn all of the graphical settings down to their lowest setting. Yeah, it's not good. It is literally indecipherable. Yeah, it's, I can imagine it is not good. Now, fortunately, I do have a computer that is relatively recent and even has a card that is capable of ray tracing. And I found, like, even with the ray tracing on by default, like, the gameplay was pretty solid, although there there was some slowdown in a few spots that went away when I turned it off. But my computer can handle it pretty nicely like i can have like all the settings turned up to high and it's great and in that kind of setting you know that playing in that environment it's a very nice looking game and i think having a year to to get all get a lot of the bugs worked out i'm really enjoying it i think the writing is really good um the uh the story is intriguing i want to see where it goes uh, there's a lot of little. There's a, a good number of side quests and side stories that are interesting. I think the other big thing that really hurt it, besides the the mess of a release, is that CD Projekt Red apparently overpromised. Now, I did not really follow the hype train on this game, so I wasn't really <laughs> like all that in. 
yeah. invested in it. But from what I understand, they promised like a real like living open world thing where you could like buy property and like like buy your own housing and have things kind of expand and grow around you in this urban environment. And that is absolutely not what they delivered. What they instead delivered was a first person cyberpunk version of the Witcher, which yeah. the Witcher is a really good game. Like Witcher three yeah. is really yeah. good. And I do like that. I am not the one downside of the Witcher three is you were playing Geralt's story. So like you played, you got Geralt's options to do stuff. This one, my, I'm playing my version of V, the na- you know, like the the main character, and I my V is going to be very different than somebody else's V based on what I'm focusing on skill wise and what background and gender I picked, and, and which route like, you take in the story. Right, and so yeah, like I'm fee- I feel like I'm getting to experience. My this version of the story, um, when I play through it again, I will play a different version of it, and I'll get a lot of the same quests, but it, things will play out differently. So, I yeah, I think there's a there's a lot of good in the game, but I w- wouldn't have played it. I wouldn't have picked it up if it hadn't been on like fifty percent sale during Steam's winter sale. Mm, yeah. See, I guess I'm one of the yeah. weird people who got I, it when it came out last year. But I guess thankfully I didn't listen to the hype train because some of the stuff you said I didn't even know was <laughs> promised. So I just played it as a first-person shooter style free-roaming game. And no, I had a ton of fun with it. I didn't finish all the paths because um, I kind of got to one where I just like, well, this is, this is the main path that's going to decide everything. So I'm like, I'll, I'll hold off and do some other things first, and then I never – cut back to that path um <laughs> yeah but I, no I, I love i've been considering giving it another chance now that i have a playstation 5 because yeah. i from what i understand it it actually runs decently on on playstation 5 especially now that they've kind of patched it a lot that's exactly where i'm at i'm waiting for the ps5 version to come out so that i can play it because i really uh one of our friends, Tim, uh, had a, had a high end PC and played it and kind of did some streaming with it and had a blast with it, you know, and the game worked really well for him. He didn't get any weird bugs. Oh, we, Tim and I had a couple. <laughs> well, no, nothing like super weird. Like he didn't oh, get. Oh, no, just sw- the, swimming like, on land was the biggest one. Yeah. Like he didn't get like, mean, the bugs major. that happened with any game. Bugs that happen at any game yeah. at launch. He didn't get like the, like it bricked his PC bugs or oh, things no. like that, you know? Yeah. So. He, he seemed to have a really good fun time with it. Like, I enjoyed watching him play it, you know, over stream and stuff like that. So, like, yeah, I'm excited for when the PS5 version of it comes out so that I can play it on my PS5. But, yeah, otherwise, I, you know, I'm I'm excited that they're well, finally getting it to closer to where they said they were going to get it um, at launch. But it's kind of sad that it took a year to get this far. I'll, I'll ask you this, Rob. Did they fix driving? Um, Driving has been fine i haven't like okay 
Like what were the, like I don't know what the issues were other than I I, I it was just very the, very hard to control and that if you'd moved yeah. a little bit you'd veer off is like um there I I have hit a little bit of that apparently there there's mods you can install that will adjust the the sensitivity but I haven't had too many problems I've I've kind of learned how to I like doing uh yeah. like motorcycles the most and I've oh, yeah, learned the, <laughs> I've learned the physics of the motorcycles pretty well I know some people played mouse and keyboard like the whole time but had a controller sitting in their yep. lap that was plugged in and they they like as soon as they got into a car then boom they sw- swapped to the controller are, are you talking about me yeah. tim or both of us uh, yeah <laughs> yes you i've been playing plus, with plus like streamers time. i have seen i have seen like people on twitter who are like you know streamers uh, Video game. I could not control the car at all with the keyboard at all. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. See, I've been using a controller the whole time. And one of the reasons I've been doing that is um, I've, I even like, I've got a Steam link. So I I hooked that up upstairs one day so I could play and and let my partner watch because she likes to, she likes watching me play games. And so I like, I, I wanted to share this one with her as the one person amongst us who does not have a PS5 yet. You bastard. Anyway, um, <laughs> the <laughs> I I am looking to get a PS5 hopefully soon because uh, I definitely want to have one for when Hazar- uh, Horizon Forbidden Wilds comes out. But yeah, yeah, there is supposed to be a specific PS5 optimized release coming out like early or, or coming out sometime this quarter. So probably like in the next month or so. Yeah. And if you already own the PS4 version of Cyberpunk 2077, which, again, as I should reiterate, you should not. It was so bad, Sony pulled it from their web store. <laughs> but uh, but if you have it, it's going to be like a free upgrade. But, uh, but yeah, I definitely want to buy... I, I do want to get an optimized PS5 version so I can just... So I don't have to set up the Steam link and be streaming it through the house because it streaming it will get a little bit twitchy on the response but yeah i've i've had a lot of fun playing it with controller i uh, haven't had too much problem with the driving uh haven't had any problems with like shooting and i again it's i feel like like my character focuses on stealth quick hacks and taking people down with pistols whereas i could absolutely see somebody going in with like machine like assault rifle and shotgun and just, you know, going loud every time. Mm, that mm. would get the police on you quick. Well, it depends on where you're in. If like, if you're in an area okay, where there's somebody that's committing fair. a crime, you can do whatever you want. Well, I mean, that's fair. Right. Yeah. But I, I can add in, um, the, the video game that, that I have enjoyed after Christmas, which is death loop. Ooh, I've heard some interesting things yeah. about that one. Yeah. It, it, it's pretty good. Uh, I picked up a copy for PS5, and uh, it, it has it has some some really interesting like it takes like the time loop like concept, but then it gives you like this puzzle to solve because you only have you have four different areas of this island that you're on that you can visit, and you only have four time periods during the day of this time loop to visit one of the areas. And there's like eight people that you'd have to kill to break the loop. 
And so you have to figure out how to like corral them properly into the like right areas at the right times to efficient, most efficiently like be able to kill them all in one loop. So it's basically time loop hitman. Yes, actually, that's actually a pretty good, like the level design also has kind of a hitman ish, uh, you know, aspect to it because they're, they're kind of a little bit sandboxy. And like a lot of the areas have multiple directions that you can approach them from. And there are, depending on what kind of character build you use, you know, you can go loud and, and just run at them or you can sneak around. And it has very, uh, dishonored style, like superpowers that you can eventually unlock. So it, it was quite fun. Very cool. So, yeah, I've heard some good things about that one. So that one may have to be on my my future game list. All right. Well, I think we're getting late on this Monday night, so we're going to go ahead and finish it up. Uh, Thank you for joining us for episode 252. When we come back in a couple of weeks, we'll be talking about another codex. I won't necessarily say which one it is because there's a lot coming down the pipe right about now. So it might be Gene Steeler Colts. It could be something else. Who knows? We definitely have Gene Stealer Cults in hand, courtesy of Games Workshop. So we could totally talk about Gene Stealer Cults. Yep. So I'm not saying it won't be Gene Stealer Cults. I'm just saying it might not be Gene Stealer Cults. I don't know. But until then, from all of us here at Preferred Enemies, I'm your host, Rob. Kevin. Dennis. And Richard. Good night, good gaming, and remember, the boys in gold are pretty good. Preferred Enemies is an Undergopher Radio production and is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 3.0 Unported License. Our theme music is Metal Slug 2 Super Vehicle 001-2, No Need to Reload, originally by Takushi Hayamuda and remixed by Roataka, courtesy of OC Remix. It can be found at ocremix.com.